All right, here we are. Sugar and the Mooney, episode 31, December 12th, 2020. Uh, a couple more weeks left in this uh, magical year of 2020. Uh, Sugar, how are you feeling today? I feel good, man. So um, a little gloomy outside, but I love the I love this kind of weather on a Saturday because you could you know pop on you know one of those um I don't like to watch like the movie sh- well yeah you could watch a movie channel so you pop on like a good movie and you just uh, you know chill out on the couch grab a blanket and just watch movies all day. Yeah, uh, yeah, I had a couple of days off and. Uh... So I feel already refreshed. Uh, I watch I watch a bunch of stuff. So yeah, uh, but yeah, it is gloomy out there, but quite humid. It's hmm. you know I, I was dressed up like I was about to go into the freaking North Pole and I was like sweating. But uh, yeah, so thirty one, uh, we just passed the thirty mark, which is in, which is awesome. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, something that we actually touched on in episode thirty one. I mean in thirty, uh, we talked about the new Saved by the Bell. And I know that when we talked about Suge, you didn't watch it. Mm-hmm. You didn't watch the new one. And since then, you did. So now you have a more uh, your own opinion on it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that was fun. And I actually learned a couple new things about it that might uh, knock your socks off as well. And then uh, there's this big thing happening now with uh, with like uh, streaming services with movies, like brand new, like the blockbusters. Uh, they're being presented in the streaming format like right away and a lot of people are against it and a lot of people are for it and uh we're gonna give our opinion on that uh, i know joke is like really uh give a lot to say about it so i'm gonna give you the floor for a while on that one then also another thing that happened uh this week that joke we got on your skin was uh fan free agency okay i call them front runners uh I call them fugazi fans but we're going to hop into that because someone wrote a letter declaring themselves a free agent from a beloved team of ours. So we're going to get into that as well. And uh, yeah, that's going to be our episode 31. And I'm excited uh, to jump into it. All right. So uh, in episode 30, we talked about uh, See by the Bell. We did a whole deep dive on it, but we really just wanted to talk about um, the 2020 version, the new Saved by the Bell. Um, it was a, a streaming service uh, for NBC Universal Peacock. Um, I was going to keep watching it, but apparently you have to, uh, you have to subscribe to it. So we watched, Mm -hmm. I watched, I watched the pilot and I told Sugar about it. And then, and since then, uh, Sugar, you watched the, you watched the episode, right? And now you, you have more of a educated, uh, opinion on it now. Yeah. I I did promise that I would right after the show, watch it while I was eating. And I did. And, you know, at first you know, my first reaction to it, like right after watching it, was like, you know, it's 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 okay, it's it's good, it's not bad, and um, you know, there's some things like I did like, and certain things like I didn't like, like um, you know, um, like they they it had too many like punchlines, like too many, like every other every other line of dialogue was like a joke. But then I realized, like, it's a pilot, and usually, mm. like, every, like, you know, on the pilots, you never know if you're going to get a second episode, so you kind of, like, mm-hmm. have to, like, ham it up. Um, like, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. But it had, like, some really, really good moments, like, um, and, and like, I didn't realize it till like, way, like, later on in the night, after I was, like, washing my dishes, after I was, uh, um... 
after I did dinner, after I had and did my dinner, um, and I was thinking about, it, I was like, no, they actually really like in a really like subversive way, like made like a great point, and you know the the new uh main character is this girl Daisy, and she's Hispanic from you know a lower income part of wherever um Bayside is and you know she has to get bust her and her friend and also like the other kids from the school that they close had to bus to um to Bayside and the the bus stop was like a ways away from like the school entrance so it's like and i'm thinking in my head i'm like you know not only do you have to probably get up early as shit to take this bus and god only knows how long of a bus ride it is you get there you're already tired um blah 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 and you get to the school and you got to walk walk mad far in order to get to school. So that in of itself is like a disadvantage of, um, it's a disadvantage to the kids, um, from this different school. And it made me think of, I remember, um, like Mike, I don't know if you remember like HBO, they used to have like the series, like America undercover or, um, yeah, investigating America or something like that. Uh, and it was, I think it was America on the cover. And, uh, pretty sure I remember that it was like kind of like old version of like Vice, something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like I remember one episode and they was talking about like schooling in like the inner cities and stuff like that. And like it had a girl, one of the people, and, and that's what made me what I thought about when I was watching. Saved by the Bell, like, it had this girl in, like, Boston, and she had to, like, get up at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning to take a bus at, like, 5 o'clock in the morning to get to, to go to a school um, on the other side of town to, um, that, you know, was, like, better for her because she was, like, actually, she was, like, a really smart girl, and... She had to get there at seven o'clock or eight o'clock or whatever it was. And, you know, that in of itself is like a disadvantage that like, you know, kids probably in the school that she lived, she 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 went to probably live around the corner and, you know, you know, they don't think about that extra advantage they have. The fact that they have a school that's um better than schools and like the inner city and stuff like that but also it's like really really close it's like walking distance or like a 10 minute drive for your parents and stuff like that whereas like this kid you know they gotta wake up early and it's hell in the morning and then when you get to school it's like you're already like tired because um you know you have to wake up early take a long ass bus ride you're groggy and then when you get to school like maybe her grades are like she's not doing as well in school because you know she's she's it's a lot of work so that's what I thought about when I saw that bus scene 
and then um you know the fact that like she had her like they had a system where like the books were on like iPads and she you know they had to just scan to get the books but she doesn't have an iPad nor do any of the other um kids from the 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 inner city school they don't have that so they had to physically carry like all of these textbooks whereas you know the the kids that lived there didn't and um yeah. something something else they did like that was kind of like and, and the fact that her family didn't have like a computer and she didn't have like a smartphone and they played it off for laughs like oh her mom thought you know she's she's gonna send like nudie pictures on it mm. uh, and then the fact of she was running she was doing a run for class president at the old school and the old school got closed so she came to Bayside and she tried to run for president there, but um, the deadline, she didn't know about the deadline because the deadline was on this app. And like I said before, she didn't have a smartphone. So the um, two characters, um, Zach's son, and then also this cheerleader who happens to be trans, a transgender girl, um, they're running against her. And throughout the episode, they kind of like, you know, they're running against her in order to get, like, this parking spot that's right in front of the school that, like, the student council president gets. And they're basically running just for that. Their motives are selfish. It, exactly. Whereas hers was basically, like, I'm going to make this school better and be a better opportunity for, like, everybody. Yeah. And... A metaphor. It was, like, a metaphor. And it's taking a show that, like, a silly show and then trying to make something bigger out of it mm-hmm. and why not why not you know it makes and, you know it's like deeper than how it was intended yeah and then um in the end the two of them like you know through talking to her um so then they kind of sabotage their own campaign so that she could win um realizing she was better for the school but in the end when she does get elected she um she does when she does get elected they walk up to her and say like oh yeah like congratulations you won blah 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 and since you don't have a car like i guess you could give us that spot and then she's like no i'm president like yeah you helped me out but i'm the president and I'm making that spot the new bus stop. So now that all these kids that's coming from, you know, far away, you know, they get to school, you're right at the door. Mm. And it kind of was like the, and that was, and that moment right there is a part that like popped up into my head like hours later. And, you know, it was kind of like a joke, you know, it was kind of played up for, it was kind of played up for laughs if you just watch it and that's what you take away from it. But I thought about it and I was like, wow, that's really clever because that's really how like social justice warrior and like um, performative activism works. Like you're only doing, you're not doing it because you genuinely care about people, about, you know, Mm. helping people. You're doing it to make yourself feel better and feel good about yourself so in that way 
they weren't really um Zaxxon and the girl like they weren't really doing it you they weren't really helping her out because it was the right thing to do like maybe that was part of it but the main part of it is like oh you know what me and him want like me and him are campaigning so we could get this parking spot but she doesn't drive and she's gonna be like better for the school like we'll make her president and in return in return she'll give us the parking spot it's like all right the only reason i'm doing this for you is for you to do something for me back where uh and then like i say it, it, it was a it was a commentary on like allyship because the principal she goes and talks to the principal and like you know she kind of goes through this thing of like i don't really want their help blah, 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 blah. i want to do this on my own and he says to her he's like listen like you know kids like you you don't get that seat at the table but there's something special about you that i see and there's something special that you see in yourself that you know if you you're getting that opportunity to be at that table you should take it mm. and once you're at that table you could do whatever you want with it and you go on because you're already at that table so now you're you're level with these these people so now that you're level with these people, you could start dealing with them like you're on the same level instead of being underneath them. And that was the thing I got from it. And I was really, 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 really clever. And, you know, like you, I was only able to watch like the first episode, but I'm really curious to find ways to find, mm. you know, what other nice. really smart stuff they end up doing later on in the yeah. season. I'm surprised, yeah, I'm surprised I only gave one episode. Uh, probably like eight or ten. Uh, that also, just in general, like, because obviously it was an election, just in general, that's the problem with D.C., in, uh, Washington, and maybe the states too, um, like lobbyists. Mm-hmm. They help you win, and then you have to return favors. You know? That's yeah. another that's detrimental to the pure... It's supposed to be so pure that you, I'm fighting for you, and then when you get there, you're going to fight for the people that are like, you know, you know, lobbyists. Yeah. That's another thing too. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and it's a pilot, uh, but they they obviously had it planned out. Like they probably had a huge board of like what the storylines are going to be. Uh, but we went on and on uh, last episode about Saved by the Bell and the history, and I found out more history that like it was a. Not only was it Good Morning Miss Bliss. A year earlier, they made a pilot, and it had no one in it, just the actress who played Miss Bliss. Mm-hmm. You want you know who was in it? Future child childhood actors, child actors, not the guys who were in Saved by the Bell though, and Miss Bliss. Okay. Jay White Urkel, mm-hmm. and he played like a class clown, and he wasn't like doing his whole like nerd shtick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Brian Austin Green, who ironically would be in a uh, Aaron Spelling project uh, now with Orno, mm-hmm. future husband, future Mrs. Uh, Megan Fox. Mm-hmm. I just found that interesting. Yeah, and they have it yeah. on the internet. I didn't have a chance to, you know, it looked like just a standard, uh, like '80s sitcom because it was like a, it was a prime time one. I just found that weird. And then like a year later, they brought it back, got rid of everyone. A year later, it was completely different. It was Saved by the Bell, the, the one we know. Thirty years later, we're talking about a new one that's a completely different interpretation of the same premise, which is in the, now you're doing like uh, different themes in it that uh, aren't just. Uh, just like can you know laughter you know like a sitcom and doing yeah. things 
like you you got all that out of just a show that's supposed to be about say by the bell you know yeah like, it's interesting other observation i had i was like uncomfortable watching it too because um the girl i played daisy like she had some thighs on her and i'm watching it the whole time and i'm like this is a high school show and i had to like yeah <laughs> i had to like movie. i had to look up i'm like i'm like man like please let her be 18 please let her at least be hey. 18 no, it, it, Kelly Kapowski was like fifteen or sixteen. At yeah, like and that's why I was like, "Damn, I'm watching a show." But, but we were like, like "But we were I'm like, like five. I shouldn't. I shouldn't." <laughs> no, but is hey, that's another thing. Since we watched the original one when we were like from like let's say six to like you know we were kids and mm-hmm. they were still like ten years older. You know, now you watch it like, do, do you still retain yourself from when you were a kid, or do you see it now as like an adult and you're like, oh okay, you know, because you still have those like childhood things. That's interesting. That's what do you mean? Like, like if I watch something, I'll be like, "Oh, that trick was hot." Like yeah, but back you, then. Yeah, but now, but like in your memory, you're like, "Oh, you remember her, uh, Kelly Kapowski?" As like, "Oh, you're one of your childhood, uh, oh, whatever, whatever." Oh, now you not. rewatch. Now you rewatch it, and you're like, "Nah, I watch, I watch, I watch stuff, and I'll be like, like if I watch something, I know like the the girl was like if I would watch something, and I know like for instance, like." Casper, right? I watch that joint. You know, I got a cross on Christina Ritchie, right? It was on. So today. when Casper comes on, like she was like probably like fourteen or fifteen, sixteen years old, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like five, so I watch it and I'll be like, "Oh, she was fine and not shit." And then I was watching. Um, <laughs> it's funny as hell because I was I, I tweeted it out. I was like, "Cause you you remember when they used to have those um." Like those um CD and movie clubs, and you paid like oh, Columbia House. Yeah, like those type of things. So like, my mom and stepdad did it, and they used to have like all of these. We used to own all of these random like movies, like you forgot from like you know the mid like two thousands, right? Like, so one of the movies like we bought. And I don't think they ever watched, but I watched it, and somehow, some way, it ended up in my my vast DVD Archi- archive. Yeah, uh, it was um thirteen going on thirty. Oh right, right, right. With um Matthew Perry. Yeah, not Matthew Perry. Oh, the female one. Oh, oh yeah, uh... the, the movie you're talking about. I, I've seen that too. It was seventeen again. That's what Zach Efron. Hey, one day we're gonna do our uh, f- uh, Freaky Friday thing because there's all many of them. Now I know uh, Ben Affleck's ex-wife. But yeah, so Jennifer Garner, Jennifer, Jennifer Garner, and um, Jenny, is it Jenny Greer? You know the one that I like, man, Fatty Magoo. Oh, she's in that. Yeah, she Jenny Jenny Greer. This is Jenny Greer. We'll look it up I, in between I, segments. Jenny uh, Greer. Yeah. Um, so they had her, and you know, I got a crush on her, but you know, she was like obviously in her 30s, whatever. And she was like the mean girl, and then um, Mark Ruffalo in one of his like you know, Mark Ruffalo roles. I think it was the first time I seen Mark oh. Ruffalo in anything, he probably been around before that, but that was the first time he was like introduced to me. And Jenny Greer is a different person, Judy Greer, maybe I think it's Judas. Uh... Oh. I'll I'll keep looking and then you can just type in Fatty Magoo. I am. That's they don't say shit. All they say is the uh, history of uh, Aluminum Monster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, she, you know, she's like a relative of like the Howards. So Judy, rare, yeah. 
Well, Howard's. Ron Howard. Yo, uh, she's like, yeah. So she's in like every single thing. That no, because I thought I thought you were talking about Terrence. I, I thought you were talking about like <laughs> Terrence Howard. I was like, <laughs> no, any that, type of production that they're involved with. She, she was like, there's involved. some swirling. No, family. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. Um. That's funny how I think Howard is Ron Howard, and you think that's Terrence Howard. That's all. That's <laughs> sociological. <laughs> anyway. Nah, it was so I'm watching I, so I watched it last night and I, I tweeted it out. I was like, you know, I used to own a copy of Thirteen Going on Thirty. I don't know how. I just <laughs> did. <laughs> oh, I know. But I was I was watching it last night. It was it was another one of I think every Friday night I, there's a movie I'm watching because I was watching it after the Nick game, um before I watched Mank because I wanted to like scroll through um catch up with Twitter and stuff. So I had it on, and of course I ended up watching the whole movie. But you know, in our movie, so in a situation that like thirteen going on thirty, like it came out in two thousand like four, so I was like thirteen fourteen, and Two of the mean girls were um Ashley Benson, um and Brie Larson, who's somebody else I got like a crush on. So yeah, it's like, you know, we're the same age. So if I watch a movie back then, I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember Brie Larson was like hot because like mm. Jennifer Garner's character in Thirteen Going on Thirty. In my mind, I could go back to when I was 13. I was like, oh, like I, when I was 13, I thought they was, I would think that they were fine. Now that I know that they're 30 and they're still fine, you know, it's all right. Now, right. if I'm watching like Disney Channel today, one of these shows with my brother, and it's like a 12 year old girl then, and I'm like, that chick's hot, then by God, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Hansen to catch a predator would have to come and get me. Wow. But, that you know, that you know that doesn't happen. <laughs> so the actress who played the thirteen-year-old version is twenty-nine now. And Jennifer Gardner is okay. Like they look exactly the same now. Jennifer Gardner is obviously not twenty-nine. I mean, you don't reveal someone's age. You know that's disrespectful. But it's weird how like they look exactly the same. And it's like a new photo of her. Love, new photo, not a new photo. New photo. I love the um, like I love the message of the movie. Which was like, you know, you turn on like the nice guy when you're 13, you grow up to be a bitch. Mm. And if you, you know. Oh, so they go back in time in that? It's not like she becomes older? She like, um. Goes back in time with him? She, I don't remember. N- no, she like made a wish on her. Th- like she had a 13th birthday and she was like one of those uh. like. One of those like tweeners, you know, like they're not cool, but they're they're not nerds. Mm -hmm. They're not unpopular, but they're not popular. So she was trying to get with the popular crowd. And like her best friend was like Mark Ruffalo's character. And he was like a little chubby kid. But like, you know, he like adored her and they were like neighbors and best friends. But she didn't know like he felt romantic about her. And um the guy she had like a crush on they she invited them all over for her 13th birthday and it was gonna be like in her parents basement and they put her in a closet to like make a wish or something like that so she wished that it was um 
that she got to kiss like the her boyfriend. I mean, she got to kiss like the guy she had a crush on. So the Mean Girls, including um Fatty Magoo's character and Brie Larson and all of them, they made her like blindfold herself, and then they sent in. They all left the party, so they were gonna leave her alone. She was gonna come out, and she she thought she was having this big party, and all of them were gonna like leave while she was in the in the the closet. Um, what's that game when they they call it like seven, seven. minutes in heaven? Heaven. Yes, seven minutes in heaven. So they made her stay in the party. Yeah, so they they told her like, oh, we're gonna have him come in there, and like you're gonna play seven minutes in heaven. And she, so she leaves and then Mark Ruffalo's character comes in and Jenny, I mean, we got to get her name right. Judy Judy Greer. Character, but you know, it's a kid, the kid version Mm -hmm. of her tells him. I was about to say, I was about to say. (laughs) Tells him to go in a closet. She's waiting in there to kid to, um, for her birthday kiss. So he goes in there thinking like she, you know, because he's under the impression that she wants to kiss him. Mm. And Jen, John, Jennifer Gardner's character is under the impression that like it's going to be her crush. So they kiss. Then she takes off the blindfold, seizes him, gets angry at him. And he actually made her like a dream house. Mm. And he... um. And he was giving it to her for her birthday, and like she got angry, threw it at him, and like went into her room or something and made her wish that she like could be like thirty. Yeah, now that you mention it, I remember that. Could be older or something like that, and that's that's how. And then she grew up, and then she found out like her and Judy Greer's character like became friends, but she like Judy Greer's character was still like you know, backstabbing her and stuff like that. They work for, like, a magazine. Mm. So she came in, and it was, like, one of those, you know, like, Devil Wears Prada type of, like, magazines. Mm-hmm. So since she's, like, still, like, of 13-year-old mind, like, you know, she's still, like, fun and creative, and it kind of, like, saves the magazine that she's in. Mm. And then she reconnects with... um, She reconnects with Mark Ruffalo's character, and... She starts to like fall for him because, like you know, mm-hmm. she, she, as you know, as an adult, she becomes. Yeah, it's it's an ode to late bloomers, like that type of thing. Like, hey, it it, it gets better, that type of thing. You know, if you, if, you know, that's like the theme. That's a for all of them. That's for big, and uh, eventually we should talk about it because they're all the same premise. Like you know, big. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I was big, and it's all the thing where like these guys and girls are become older. I guess she, you know, literally becomes older, but big. He's still. 13 or 12 and he becomes a fan and it's like has a relationship with Perkins or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but it's, uh, I, I remember that now. I think I saw that in like a little cute little uh, high school date. I think I saw that. That's why yeah. I kind of remember it. There's so many of them. But anyway, back to Saved by the Bell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows uh, what else happens in the season. We'll, I don't know. We'll figure out means to get it. Unless, uh, you know, we do a charity event. Oh, my ways. <laughs> I have my ways. I know I ain't paying for no damn peacock. What else is on peacock? Nothing really. Nothing else you can get on Hulu. Yeah. We had reruns of uh, Alf. Like when I opened my my Netflix, like the first shit, like it said was like, listen, motherfucker, 
next month your shit's gonna be thirteen ninety nine now. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it like popped up on the screen. It was just like just to let you know. Hmm. Just to let your ass know. You're not paying eleven ninety nine anymore. It's gonna be thirteen ninety nine. You son of a bitch, and you better have my money, and you better have it now. That's because Nick Cage needs his money, and he needs to make ten more movies. All right, Nick Cage needs to get his own category. But like you know movies. what? The reason why it's gonna be thirteen ninety nine, we're gonna get into. Yes, yeah. we're gonna talk about a lot about uh, streaming, and it's gonna be uh, affecting not only now but in the future going forward. We're gonna get into that. Yo, so Mike. Oh, uh, I don't know if you heard last week. So we both um are, you know, subscribers of HBO Max and Warner Brothers who owns HBO, HBO Max, that's their streaming service. They've announced that going forward, at least for 2021, um, that all of their movies will be released on HBO Max as well as in theaters and you know that's significant for me and you because you know in New York here like movie theaters are still not open um and we don't know when they are but there is a demand um especially when a movie like Tenant which you know found its way into theaters in August and is a movie you know, we we both really wanted to see because you know it it was talked up a bit, no. and our movie didn't really do, um, great mm. because of you know the it didn't really do great because of the pandemic. Well, it didn't do as good. You you said it was supposed to be a billion dollar movie, and it made like three fifty, I believe, worldwide. Yes, yes. So the director of that film had some words and Mike, you have those words. Yeah. Well, I read an interview with him and uh, the long and short of it is that he thinks uh, it's a bad business decision on the part of Warner's. Like he, uh, he, he said, I'm going to give you a paraphrase. He, he respected the move to wait to release until it was okay. And then back in like late August, early September, most theaters were open again. And, um, he what he likes he he wants the theater experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, I'll get into why I like movie theaters. The idea of it, not going for it. I probably won't go, but just the idea of it. His idea of it. He basically was saying um, that it's people think of Hollywood. They think of what the, the execs. They think of the direct major directors and all the actors and uh, and all that. But he said this is like hundreds hundreds of thousands of people involved because you have the people that that uh, do the tickets. They scooped the popcorn is what he wrote. And basically he was saying that like, oh, um, they're affected by it too. So he went from the top all the way to the bottom. But uh, also he said when it came out, uh, he wanted it to also be in theaters. And um, like he wanted it in theaters. Now what they're doing with the streaming, he says it's not rational. His quote is, it's not a rational business decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to have uh what is it like uh, dual releases on the on the streaming service? Uh, apparently, it's for thirty days, and then it'll be disappear. But um, I don't. Is it is it irrational? Because if people don't go to theaters, they still can make money off it. Uh, but now they're going to make money off it through the streaming uh, subscription. So from non people involved, I think it's it's I think it's a 
very prudent of them to opt to do these this dual release but we people involved have different opinions on it like no one is not favoring the dual release there's uh the directors guild of america they're going to try to take them to court and everything they're already like uh lambasting them in the in the, in the press mm-hmm. other directors there's a uh, remake of dune coming out uh the director of that is on the same page as nolan saying it's like wrong decision uh it's affecting us i don't even how would it affect if um wouldn't they still get paid if it's like through the streaming service do you know the uh, details about that i don't i would think they still get they still get like a salary and i mean i guess like it it, it will probably go down to like, like i guess if the guilds are involved then i guess it's in a in a situation where do you get like points or like percentage of like the profits of the movie and if that's the case i mean i've heard of situations where like when they do all the math of like the promotion and the um distribution and then they kind of put that because remember you only get a percentage of like the profits of the film and the profit isn't just like, you know, all right, this movie made like a billion dollars. It's like, no, first of all, the movie itself costs $250 million to make. I'm not talking about, and I'm talking about like the blockbusters, like marketing, yeah, the, block, like, the blockbuster movies. Marketing, marketing is like 250. Yeah. Um, so, um, so in actuality, it's like you didn't make $200 million. You made, I mean, you didn't make, a billion dollars you made like three three hundred and fifty yeah. million dollars so so an investment yeah sorry to cut you off but it's an investment and then you have to go back into the red some movies cost like 400 million dollars and they don't even make anywhere near that including like the marketing and everything and that's and they're still in the red after it yeah so if it's like if you're making like a percentage off of the film um if you're making a percentage off of like the profit of the movie, right? So if they were to maintain course and, you know, in a situation like Tenet, right? This movie comes out, they was anticipating it making hundreds of billions of dollars. If I'm not mistaken, I think they had like a Super Bowl spot in the last Super Bowl. Um, So that cost, you know, those Super Bowl um, commercials cost like, 20 million dollars or like a million dollar a second or something like that so that's money being spent on there so it's like if they kept on rolling out movies or kept on waiting and pushing back and pushing back and pushing back movies right um you know and like i say the you you make a percentage of the profit and the profit is basically the money made after the cost and so if let's say in that situation they was anticipating our movie was making a billion and a movie only made like 400 million and if christopher nolan was making a percentage of the profit like he's probably still gonna make peanuts anyways and i think what the what warner brothers is trying to do is you know in general, a lot of the movies and blockbusters and stuff that were supposed to come out this year in 2020, 
ended up getting pushed back, not just by their studio, but also by Fox and well, Fox Disney. Um, you know, they're they're together, and then um, Universal, Paramount, all of those different companies, Sony, all of them had to push their movies back. So what I'm visualizing is going to happen is if all of these movies get pushed back to 2021, you're going to have a situation where you have all of these movies from 2020 coming out at the same time. Also, along with all of these movies that were already planned for 2021, and you're telling people you have to go to the movies to see these things, right? There's going to be movies where you choose not to see, and there's going to be movies you choose not to see and wait for them to be on demand or be on one of these streaming services, like, anyway. And also, you got to factor in this. Like, whenever the movie theaters do open up, like, we just, like, it will be when we've come out of a pandemic, which was a strain on the economy, which meant a lot of people lost their jobs, which means a lot of people are going to be catching up with their finances, especially if the government is not going to help you out um, as much as you think they are and helping you out and getting your speak, you're getting back on your feet. So that means, uh, Mike, that like a lot of people are not going to have discretion, discretionary income. And when the movie theaters open up, like everything else is going to want to open up too. um, uh, sporting events, um, concerts, all of these things. And people are going to want to do those things, but it's going to become a situation where like you can only do one, like you can't do all like if for instance like if they open up yankee stadium right i i, I assume it's not going to be yankee stadium at full capacity no. it's going to probably be yankee stadium at like 25 percent capacity so it's going to be because they're already doing that in some other places um yeah so that means that the ticket is going to be way more expensive now so you're going to have to pick right. and choose that's what, what you want to do and if all of these movies are coming out like i'm not spending whatever it's going to cost to go to the movies to see because you know well i'm gonna get into that later but i'm not gonna call spend whatever it costs to go to the movies every single like it's gonna be expensive to try to go to the movies every single week or at times like two times a month like some people won't go to the movies like once every like three or four months and they're not even gonna the main i what i heard for the last few years the main money they get is from the concessions you need to have the concession stands open they have like 50 people. We we went to the movies recently and then like anytime we go, like the line is like crazy. Like one time we went to that one theater and we ran into each other and the line was like before the freaking ticket collector. It was like 50 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go back to the whole streaming thing with um, the Directors Guild. Yeah. All right. So I thought we settled this in 2008. I thought it was settled with the writer's strike in 2008 about um, – um, remember they went on strike, the writers – uh, mm-hmm. because yeah, they wanted to forget. All right, so wouldn't that like also apply to like like in 2019? Apparently, I I thought that the directors guild had a similar thing, but they had the same uh, percentage. Um, because it's like you know it's like a union, so like it's all about their pension. They still have like pension plans. Yeah. And I thought that it would you know grandfathered in, grandfathered in, um, but now they're saying in the letter that they wrote to Warner Warner Media, saying that um. 
they get a gross in the, a gross the, a theatrical like percentage mm-hmm. and um they're saying this is affecting its members um i think they're saying like uh, financial reasons but then also it just seems like they're like the way he wrote it or they wrote it was um like they their feelings were hurt because they weren't like asked about it they just it just happened without their even being like um briefed about it before they made the big announcement that's what it says in here as well like saying like how come you didn't even you didn't even ask ask us about it that's what mm-hmm. it came out with like that so uh i guess they wanted to talk to them first and try to rework their deal that they made in 2019 uh but also like 2020 is very reasonable like they're also releasing all the movies on christmas day like wonder woman right yeah so that's reasonable just overall like yeah but I also heard, you know, 2021, like even with sports, they're going to go with the same plan. Um, like for 2021, it's not even like all at once, though. It's uh, I have the list of the movies. There's like 21 movies that they're highlighting. Where's the 2021? Yeah. And it's like it's not like they all come out at the same time. They're they're uh, spaced out, you know, so it's not like people will have. So, so it's like Netflix, like, you know, Netflix, they'll have new movie, new stuff every month, but they'll be like, all right, this drops on. You know, November third, this stuff drops on November twenty on November tenth. This stuff drops on like November fifteenth. Like it's like that. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like their day. They're supposed to come out in theaters. It's the same time they come out. Also, with the directors guild, they're like, again, it, they touch on financial reasons, but then they also try to like uh, pull at the heartstrings. They're like, well, the directors, um, they want their film to be seen in a way, like in this theater. So it's kind of like more of an artistic reason of why they're upset. But then they yeah. also say like financially. So like, you know, like uh, Nolan is like, oh, like he's all about, uh, he's like an auteur, like kind of like Tarantino and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Like they want, they want the experience of going to the theater yeah. and like watching, but that's a luxury we don't have, right? There's a luxury we don't have right now. Yeah. So like, um, I understand that they like the vision of it. And if the financial reason is it, if it doesn't come out in theaters, they're not going to get paid anyway. So I don't understand. Yeah, that's like, they... what I was trying to like. Um, that's what I was trying to explain, and I was, like you, you brought you, you, you um, kind of summarized it. But you know, let me tell you my my feelings. Yo, fuck the movie theater experience. Honestly, like I tweeted it out yesterday. I was like, movies should have known it was going to be curtains for them. Like movie theaters should have known. It was gonna be curtains for them when they started making movie. I mean, they started making televisions the the size of your living room wall. Mm. So, you know, all right. Let me just explain like my history. Like I used to like I wanted to be a filmmaker. I still do. I still have aspirations. So, I empathize with them from that standpoint. But you know, and the reason why I wanted to become a filmmaker is that I like. You know, I used to like going to the movies. I liked, you know, when you walk into the movies, you see the concession stand or outside of the movies, you see the posters. Smell the popcorn. Yeah, you smell the popcorn, you know, buying a ticket. Um, it was it was great, like the whole experience of it. And we always, you know, when we talk movies on here, right, like Mike, we always say like, oh, I actually saw that in the theater. Da-da-da-da. Yeah. So, 
you know, we're we're familiar with the movie theater experience, but the movie theater experience, um, when I was a kid and growing up, and you know, the movie theater experience, um, back way back when, is a lot different than it is now. Like, you know, prime story. I always, I, I always, um, tell because I like these days. Like I used to go to the movies a lot, and I used to see different movies, movies I didn't intend on seeing, blah 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 blah. Like I used to be like that, but these days, over the past like ten years or so, I don't, I only really go to the movies when it's like something I've been waiting to see, whether that be a Star Wars, a Marvel movie, um, a Quentin Tarantino movie. Like, or anything from, like, one of my favorite directors, like, you know, stuff like that. Like, that's what brings me to the movies. I don't go to the movies to see random-ass movies. Like, there's a lot of movies, Mike, like, we talk about. I'm like, or you bring up some random movie, and I'll be like, you know, I actually saw that movie in the theater. Like, I didn't want to see it, but, mm-hmm. you know, I ended up seeing it. Um, Yeah, I used to go, like, four times a month. Up yeah. until, like, up until, like, uh, again, let's say, like, uh, um not Sin City, like Sin City and like Grindhouse. Mm-hmm. Only time I went to the theater since Kill Bill, I'll just say, is like a Tarantino type movie, uh, superhero, something that I I have to see like the the uh, the experience of like go at the midnight showing. Uh, that's not necessarily for me anymore. I guess it's also because I'm older, but like I, it was an event. Movies that were an event. Yeah. Now I'm not gonna pay. I'm not gonna go there for thirty bucks and watch a hit or miss movie. You know. Right, and so also the other movie I gotta add in the the other movie that I'll go is a James Bond movie, mm-hmm. um, and even that like there was supposed to be a James Bond film that was released that was supposed to be released in April, and because of the pandemic they pushed it back to November, <sighs> and then they pushed that back to thing to, to, to April uh, again. And then it's just like, bro, like just put that shit on, like on demand. Yeah. Like I don't care. I'll pay thirty dollars to watch it. I don't care. Like just at this point, I want to see it. Like and you know, like at some point, somebody like the longer and longer you wait for it, like there's somebody that has like a rough cut of it. Like I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember, Mike, like um X Men, um the Wolverine one. Remember yeah. when? It came like, out. And it looked, yeah. It like remember, shit. somebody had like the 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 version of it without the special effects, and it was yeah. um released, and it kind of made like it, it it messed up the, the um. They rushed it. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Like shit. It was like that. That's like one of the last movies I saw at midnight, and we were out. Me and my brother were like laughing because it was like it was like Roger Rabbit. Me and Roger Rabbit when like they had the Frank Sinatra drawing, and it was like a hammer that like sang. It yeah. looked cartoony to me, man. I had high hopes for that movie and shit. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so um, I got two like movie stores. That's why like I don't care for the movies anymore. So, um, one of the movies, twenty fifteen. Um, I got home from work, and I'd been waiting. You know, um, I've been waiting to see Spectre, which was the last James Bond movie that came out. So I got home. Um. Like, my mom, she knows I'm a big James Bond fan, and um, she went with me, like, but she went to the, it was late, so she went to the movies and, like, slept, 
And I think I went to like a midnight showing, like a midnight showing, Mike. I mean, not midnight, probably like, you know, like a 10, 10, 30 mm. showing. Yeah. On Thursday. They do that now. Five years. Yeah. And I think it was on a Thursday and we went and the movie theater was so packed. Like we had to sit like right under the screen where you have to mm. like watch it. You got to watch it like, like this. And I'm yeah. like, like Seinfeld episode, they did that. I did that too for a movie. It's, yeah, it's, and it's like I, 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 I watched the movie, but I was like, "Yo, I'm not gonna fully be able to enjoy this movie till either a I come back and watch it where I got a better mm-hmm. seat, or yeah. b when it's already out on video or DVD, and I see it then." Yeah. So, so that's one bad experience, and then the other bad experience. Wait, 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 like, before you, can I interject real yeah, quick? Yeah. Because like, it's not funny. It was just a, so that experience of like not knowing like where your seat's gonna be, you know that that in, hinders your experience. Like that's like watching in, in your living room and you have to like watch it from your closet or something weird. You know, like watch behind yeah, the couch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. So that experience I totally relate to. Let me hear your second. Let me hear the other one. Well, even in that situation, right? Like, like just you know that was five years ago. So just recently in the last like three or four years now like most movie theaters they either um still have the same kind of seating but now those seats have like numbers and rows or some theaters what they've done which is also going to lead to my reason why like it's better to watch at home anyways they've put in recliners so they give you these big huge seats and you could like lay back you could lean them back and blah 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 blah, and those are assigned um, and it's also designed for you to feel at home when you're in a movie theater, ironically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but now, yeah, so now, you know, like you get to the movie theater late and you're picking your seat. You can see like the only seats that are available and like the only seats that are available now are the ones in front. And you're like, wow, like I already paid for parking. Mm-hmm. Like this is a lot of showing for the night. Blah 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 blah. So now instead of like going into the theater and being disappointed, like oh the only seats are in front, like now you already know beforehand, like you're gonna have a shitty experience watching a movie. But the mm. second experience, um, a couple years back, you know, big Quentin Tarantino fan. Mm. Once upon a time in Hollywood. So I wanted to see it the day it came out. Um, I think it was a Friday, like a Friday afternoon, and I bought. Me. I bought my tickets online. I, well, I bought my ticket online, and you know I get to the movie theater like ten minutes before, like ten fifteen minutes before the movie starts, and. You know, I, I bought my tickets on um, Fandango on the app so that when I get to the movie, all I got to do, grab my ticket, could go on a concession line, grab a, um, grab something to eat, sit in my seat, you know, have time to kill. I, well, not too much time, you know, so, so that way when I get to the movies, I don't have to wait long for the movie to start. So I get to the movie, the ticket machine is broke, you know, to get your pre-order ticket. So now I gotta hop on this line that I was kind I was I was um thought I would avoid by ordering you know buying my tickets beforehand. 
So I have to hop online as if I'm buying my ticket just to pick up my ticket. So I get there. That wastes my time. I finally get my ticket, go upstairs, and I'm like, all right, this is going to be a movie. I'm going to need water or something. I'm going to get thirsty, and I don't want to leave in the middle of the movie, so I might as well try to get my um try to get my my um my 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 snacks and, and my my drink so i get online that line is long as hell and it's one of those movie theaters where now like they kind of have like a vip line so they have a long ass line but like if you're one of these vip people you can skip ahead so you're waiting, it's like one person working, so like they have to leave like the regular line to serve mm. like the VIP person. And you know, that shit kills time. So then I finally get into the theater, sit down, and I'm like, yes, Quentin Tarantino, I'm finally gonna see this movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Da, 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 I'm hype. And it's like this old couple next to me, like middle-aged, like um, like couple from like the Bronx, and bro, they were talking like the whole fucking movie. And I'm not like the one to be like, yo, like, could y'all be quiet? Like, I, I'm like, mm. I get annoyed at the fact that I would have to tell somebody to be quiet. You're like, you're in a movie theater, like, shut up, keep your mm. thoughts to yourself. Talk like, y'all, like, clearly, y'all two got here together. Mm. You're going home together like you could talk about the movie on the car ride home and like i emphasize the fact that they were like middle age so you know the movie has like a old like a 60s soundtrack so like every every song that comes on they're singing it Mm. i like you know i'm just sitting there i'm just like yo like i've been waiting so long to Mm. see this movie and i ain't even really get to enjoy it i would have like now if i'm home like I actually ordered um I bought Once Upon a Time Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on Blu-ray and the first day I got it I popped it in a movie because I was like I, that's the only thing I could remember I remember like I watched the movie and I loved it but I was like I didn't get to like you know I got the the Blu-ray popped it into my PlayStation watched it on my TV at home and it was like the first time I got to enjoy the movie and I'm just like mm. Wouldn't it be nice to just circumvent that whole experience? Like, right. I mean, um, you told me about the whole couple next to you, the middle aged couple from the Bronx. And I apologize about my parents so many times, man. I'm sorry. No, but uh, my thing that me and my brother 15 years ago started getting pissed off about these movies, but we, ha- we had to see them. It was uh, Tarantino, Kill Bill. I'm watching the movie. Mm hmm. Waited goddamn two years to watch this. When it, we saw the trailer for that pre like nine uh, eleven, it was like they had and, the tra- trailer it, for it in early two thousand two, and it came out a year and a half later because of. And uh, it was a long ass gap. It was on um, yeah, like Jackie Brown came out in ninety seven, so you were waiting like five or six well, years. Well, yeah, the yeah. first I started watching Tarantino movies in like two thousand one, whenever like high school. No, right, no, right before I got into high school, I started watching on a whim. I watched Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. Uh, I bought them on a whim, and. Mm-hmm. So Kill Bill was supposed to come out as one movie in um like I don't know, late two thousand two. Yeah. And then he then he decided to separate it. So he had to wait another year. 
So then, because yeah, it would have been like it would have been like four hours long. Yeah. So one came out in September two thousand three, and the other one came out in like May or April of two thousand four. So finally, I get to see it two thousand three. I was so I watched every single talk show with like Tarantino one and Uma Thurman. I was just like whatever. Some, I'm trying some this piece of shit. I'm like Lance from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> no, keep it, man. Keep my fucking car. No, it was like that. But this guy's in there eating popper and laughing at the most inappropriate. Like, not you're not supposed to laugh right now. Yeah. <laughs> the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And me and my brother were like looking at each other. We're like, what the fuck? Shut this guy up. Uh, completely ruined. You know, killed it for me. Yeah, and yeah. same thing with like Grindhouse. Like that came out like a little while after. Killed my mood because you're just like talking and like. Laughing and I, I love when people we laugh together and like like you get a gl- glimpse of somebody else and then you like laugh like that. No, you're laughing at inappropriate things and Tarantino's all about dialogue and like they were dying laughing at the uh, the monologue of uh, at the end of Kill Bill Part Two mm-hmm. and it's it's just it, he's just talking and you're ta- you're you're laughing over something that's not funny and it's not intended to be funny so that killed me that killed me too. Uh, yeah, basically. And, and then, like, the interesting thing about it, too, right, is if it were um today, right, he would have released Kill Bill as one long-ass movie because, mm. you know, he would have hooked up with, like, Netflix or something like that. Actually, um, Hateful Eight. Like, if you yeah. watch it, if you watch it on Netflix, it's an extended right. cut. It's, 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 a a movie, it's, it's a movie he wanted to, to uh, mm. yeah, it's like a series. It's like an episode or so whatever it's how he wanted it to to be told and um which brings me to like my next point mm-hmm. uh movie we watch irishman martin scorsese releases the movie on netflix but released it in theaters like a week before right something like that it came out thanksgiving on netflix and then like it came out like in selected theaters earlier like a week yeah. well, a week only so this is like you know, uh, one of the greatest filmmakers ever, and he used the mm-hmm. he used the the medium to his advantage. A movie we just um, and that's a movie where it's like you know like f- almost four hour, hours long. Also, you know you can't sit in a movie theater for four hours. You know, mm-hmm. well if you do, sometimes they add in like an intermission or something like that. Um, but you know, the Irishman, he released it on Netflix and this is one of the great filmmakers of all time. And then like a movie we, we both watched last night. Um, oh, I watched it last night. You watched it this morning. Mank, David Fincher, you know, great filmmaker, Fight Club, Seven, uh, Zodiac, all of these great movies, like he hooked up with Netflix, and he also had series on Netflix. He had on um, House of Cards. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of Iron course. Hunter. Mm-hmm. Hey, House of Cards was the second uh, Netflix series they ever made. One was uh, Lily Hammer, and then the next thing was House of Cards, or twenty thirteen, early twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah, so, so thought- you you got these um pro- prolific filmmakers hooking up with Netflix, and I think to an extent, like um. Tarantino did too with you know the hateful eight um series um so it ain't a pro if it ain't a problem for Martin Scorsese like why is it a problem for Christopher Nolan and Judd fucking Apatow of all people man his movies you can watch on your damn phone like could could be you can watch yeah. those movies on your phone there's it's a one shot of it's two shots of people in a, in a living room you know <laughs> it's not like you need like a 
the the uh, cinescope. Like Tarantino got off on the whole fact that I can have a cinescope thing, which is like the biggest uh, screen from like the sixties and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. That I understand. That's an experience. That's like another thing. If I can segue into uh, the Alamo, mm-hmm. watching retro things, you can watch that anywhere you want, anytime. But it's the experience because they'll have like giveaways and stuff like that. I went to I went to it several times. I wouldn't see a new movie there. Now I would never go. That, I think that business is done because it, it, the main thing was also food. And I don't think we're going to do that anymore. But um, you watch like a retro movie. Um, they have like giveaways and it's like an event. But I didn't like it because every two minutes you see someone like run by and ask you for like, you've been to the Alamo, have you? No, no. Okay. So like they, you make your orders, you get your beer and your, and your food, you write it down on a thing. And then during the show, they'll drop it off and they run by like... Like you're watching, you know, when you used to get bootleg movies in the street, the VHS, and they would, they would <laughs> yeah, film it. You would see a, you see a dude walk <laughs> by. Dude off <laughs> so like basically like, and they run by. Fixing its crotch. <laughs> yeah, but but they run by and then like, did you get, did you get popcorn? Did you? No, I didn't. Are you sure you didn't get popcorn? And then like, then he leave. And then you make another one. If you want to get like refill or another drink, you put it down there. And then like they have intervals. And the bummer with that is when they, when they give you your bill, you're like, oh, the movie's ending. Oh, now the movie's about to end. Now you ruined it for me. I didn't know the movie's about to end. Now, like they did it without. Uh, I saw uh, once upon a time in Hollywood in Alamo first because mm-hmm. they get it was a giveaway. I'm not sure if I gave you. They gave like a free little souvenir. Drop off the bill. Spoiler alert! While they're going, you know, when the Manson family are going in. Yeah. Like I go, oh, so this is the <laughs> this is the ending. Great. Like okay, because it's like 15 minutes before they drop off the bill. Uh. So that was annoying. I did, I did see Tarantino. I saw it again, though, in Cross County, which is a old school one where like it's still like in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I saw it there, too, though. So I got two experiences because like you, the first one was spoiled for me. So I saw it twice with my uh, other really good friend about movies. Uh, also with the people next to you singing the songs and stuff. So I saw another retro movie that you could see anytime you want. Halloween. Me and my girlfriend saw it like on Halloween like two years ago or a year ago. Like the new Halloween or like no Halloween no no. Uh, or... It came out the same time as a new one, but it was the anniversary because it came out seventy eight. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, twenty eighteen was the thirtieth anniversary. Because I, I was like the direct sequel, like yeah, where yeah, yeah. all the 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 stuff. Yeah. yeah. So the same year they made a new one. They also re released the original because uh, it was the fortieth anniversary. So I'm watching it, and there's this lady like next to me, like. With an old school phone, like you, it lights up. Beep, 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 beep. Hello, talking full volume, like like uh, oh, Dennis, yeah, like Dennis, Dennis Reynolds. I went uh, like full volume, but then Jackie's like, "Shut up!" My girlfriend's like, "Shut up!" And I'm like, "She's talking full volume, right? She's sitting right next to me." And then the girl like looks at me and she's like, "This motherfucker wants to talk shit about me." Like like then talking about me, saying like, "Are you gonna be outside for the ride?" It was like, "Are you gonna be outside?" Yeah, I was watching a movie like that, and I'm like, "Can you?" can you please and i directed it and she was like this motherfucker wants to talk i was like you're talking and jackie's like we gotta go like you're being a, you're being a real dick i'm like i'm the dick yeah, yeah, yeah. while like you know this is the no, end of the movie and it's interesting like the um you know i'm on the other side of it too because i remember one time i visited my dad in atlanta and you know i used to spend like you know a couple weeks there and um you know he's really into like horse racing like that's, that's his, his shit he loves horse racing so sea biscuit came out mm. so you know i was like 13 like 12 or 13 at the time and like me and him are in a the movie theater we went in the afternoon you know that's, that's another thing i like to do I, I prefer to go to the movies like midday 
Man Sometimes night. midweek when yeah, when it's like matinee and it's cheap. Mm-hmm. And or like it's empty. Okay. If it's empty and it's just you and your buddy or you like in a sibling, I would go with my brother. Is it okay to talk then? Like you don't no one else is around. Like, or do you have to respect the rules of it? Because we were just like, if no one else is in the theater, I'd, I'd be like, I feel like I'm at home. And I'd just be like, that's another thing. But that, I don't know. Sorry. See yeah. So I, don't, I was going to get to that too. Like, so I'm on the opposite side of it because, you know, my dad's trying to explain like mm-hmm. horse racing to me. Like, or, and not just horse racing, but like the, um, breeding and um training and and stuff like that and different the different jobs because you know you got um what's his name um cooper i think chris cooper chris cooper is like the trainer um uh jeff ridges Mm. prayers up to him because i think he got um he's going through some health shit right now jeff bridges yeah jeff bridges oh wow I love that guy. Um, he so he, he's like the owner. Yeah, financier basically. Yeah, and you know, Toby Maguire is the jockey, and you know, like he's explaining that to me because, um, Sea Biscuits jockey was like five, like eleven, like he was like five ten, like you know, jockeys are supposed to be like five six. Like they're supposed to be short. No, yeah, like stunted growth. Like, yeah. Yeah. So he he was like taller than the average jockey. So stuff like that. You you know, if you're watching and you don't know shit about horse racing, you know, you need that to be explained to you. So the guy, this guy and like his girlfriend, um, this is Georgia, so I have to emphasize Mike that it was a white guy. And Mm -hmm. you know, me and my dynamic different dynamic down there, right? Yeah, so me and my dad are black, and this is a suburb of Georgia. And, you know, he's getting annoyed at my dad, like, explaining the shit to me. So he turns around, and he's like, do you guys, he, he was like, do you guys mind? I'm trying to watch the movie. <laughs> the accent. Oh, uh, <laughs> he did it. I didn't even, I, I did that involuntary. Movie, movie. I was just going off of my memory of it. So it's like, I'm trying to watch the movie. So I'm like, <laughs> so so my dad, like, it's funny and shit. He he so he's like, all right, well, the movie's over there. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, and this dude's like, mind you, it's like a, a fucking dark mm. ass movie, but you could see this dude's face getting red. Mm. So he's like, so he turns to his girlfriend, you know what? I'm gonna I, I got I'm gonna get somebody for them or some shit like that. So mm. He goes, and like my dad is like, I, I'm like I'm 12, so I'm like worried, mm. like oh man, we about to get kicked out of this movie. I'm like my dad's just chilling, like watching a <laughs> fucking movie, and he keep and he's still like explaining the shit to me. Mm. So he's like, I be me and my dad talk like when, like we rarely talk, but when we talk, we, we like time to time I bring it up. Okay, so I, yeah, with you and your dad, I picture like you know like <laughs> like. Throwing popcorn up like this is fucking bad, yeah. It's like eating the popcorn or like the yeah, most yeah, chill. Yeah. Throwing it back and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. This thing. and then the guy comes back in and he's like angry and he's like, like he comes back like pouting, like like, you know, like he he must have went outside and told like the movie people and it was like like bro, it's like 
it's two o'clock on like a fucking like Wednesday afternoon. Like, who gives a shit? Like, leave yeah, me but, alone. But you're talking. Yeah. You're talking about the movie though. The lady I'm talking about was talking about like getting a ride or a cab and just like talking about everyday like. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I went to I went to the I went to the shop, right? And just talking about like, like the thing you would normally say to someone like uh, like walking, you know, like walking home, like oh yeah, I did this, uh, running, I ran errands. Yeah, I'll get a ride home, and then we'll do this later on. It's like she's trying to kill two birds with one stone. Like watch a movie. First off, no offense, I don't even think she cared that it was Halloween. Like I don't think she was like even aware that it was a movie. Like she went with whoever was next, like <clears throat> her kid or something like that. Yeah. But it's like, and again, it, I just thought it was like, and it was like a special event. Like you had to pay extra money to see it because it was like a retro one. I was like, mm. if you paid the extra money to see a movie that's only in theaters for like a day because it's Halloween, I thought you would want to like, you know. Yeah, watch. and and then the other times I'm with it, right? Like I've been taking since like my brother's been old enough to like go to the movies and stuff, even to this day. And you know, as I've said before on this this show, like my brother's autistic, so he doesn't understand like social cues, so. Every time me and him go to the movies, I always have to explain to him, like, before we get in there, I'm like, yo, Tashil, when we get in here, like, any que- like if you got questions, like, just save it till after the movie. Like, don't talk, because sometimes, like, he'll talk to me. Like, even after I explain that to him, you know, he'll still, he, he's, he can't fight the urge to, like, not talk. So I'd see, you know, he he'll talk to me, and I'm like, be like, shh, and I'll see people like getting annoyed. So the point I'm trying to make is make is like, you know, I'm on, you know, I've been on the side where it's like, you know, I've been like the disruption in the movies, and I, you know, I've been on the side where I feel like the movies are being disruptive, and mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, when we're watching the movie here at home. You know, if you I'm watching Seabiscuit on like Netflix, if it premiered on Netflix and I'm watching it with my dad then and we're at the house, you know, he could explain this shit to me in full volume and we don't gotta worry about some dude, you know, going to the, the movie management to get us kicked out. You know, if my brother's here and we're watching something, like he could ask all the questions he wants. I could pause the movie and be mm-hmm. like, This is why this is this, da da da. So, you know, the experience mm. is, is, is different, but, mm. you know, Mike, the thing that I see with the streaming thing is, you know, the movies always, like, movies always evolve, and it's kind of a, you know, um, like a, a, a natural selection, survival of the fittest type of thing, like, when movies first started mm. you know theaters thought plays and 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 you know vaudeville was gonna die vaudeville died plays didn't um then silent movies mm. when they started talking oh silent movies are gonna die so silent movies died then when i don't think color films caused caused like no a crazy change but like in the late 40s and early 50s the advent of television yeah people were like all right now people aren't going to want to go to the movies anymore like you have to to tell people that uh who don't know that um people would go to movie theaters and watch tv they would watch like newsreels they would watch Mm -hmm. tv shows they'd go there all day long so that's why um people 
that's why the fear of TV. But you, well, obviously you're gonna say. Gonna yeah, say and that's probably why, like in the movie Mank, that's probably why William Randall Hearst he had like such a influence in Hollywood because he would work with Hollywood. He would really create newsreels. Mm. And the uh, Hollywood companies would play those before movies. Um, so that was part of the movie going experience then. And then, you know, uh, Mike in the 80s, VHS. Right. And people got. Too. We skipped drive ins. That was a big deal, too. And, you know, that did die. Yeah. Yeah. And. You know, the, the VHS people thought, like, all right, like, people aren't going to go to the movies anymore. They're just going to wait for them to come out on video. Um, because it's good, you know, because back then it's like, why would you pay to go to see a movie when you could just wait a couple months, buy a movie, and you could have this movie for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. And, you know, fast forward to now with the streaming thing, that's that's their fear now. It's like, oh, like, if you put stuff on stream and people don't want to go to the movies anymore, but like I said, you know, they, they, you know, the signs were there and, you know, movies aren't totally dead. And I still feel like if they still release those movies, like they still like Wonder Woman, um, Tenet, if that's one of the movies that's going to be on there, like you could still, when movies theaters are fully open, like those movies could be re-released in theaters because we always we see that all the time like i remember in 20 in 2013 it was like the 20th anniversary of um jurassic park Mm. and they re-released jurassic park in theaters and i had never seen jurassic park in a theater i saw jurassic uh lost world and ah. Jurassic Park three, I saw those in the movies, but I had oh. never seen the original. So, yeah. Don't even uh, bring up Jurassic Park. I saw that in theaters. I had to leave. I was crying my <laughs> ass off when Newman died. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I was a little punk, man. That in Street Fighter, I was crying. I was bawling. <laughs> Jesus, but that's a movie experience, you know. Hey, that's a movie experience. Yeah, but know, I'm just, I'm just making but, light. But of the it. point I'm making is like, you know, like this is a movie that came out 20 years. Mm-hmm. Or they re-released it 20 years in theaters again. And you got somebody who, when it first came out, I was three years old, so I didn't see it. Um, You know, now I'm 23 years old. It's out in the movies. I sat in the movies, and it felt like as if I saw it, like as if I was seeing a new movie. So all of these movies, you could still release them in theater, and you could still go to the theater mm-hmm. and see them for that full um experience like if tenant comes out and i watch it on tv and it's like wow like whoa this is a movie i gotta see in imax mm. you know i'm gonna go again and see it yeah yeah but well it, there's a whole different arguments and philosophies uh I, i'm gonna get into I'll, I'll wrap it up later on when we have our final thoughts and everything um but i'm gonna do a little lighthearted thing right now so now Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what you can do. Uh, you can you, everyone. What what was like the first date always? You go on a first date. What would you do? Go to the movies. Go to the movies. Yeah. So you can pull the dentist system now. You go to the movie theaters, which is obviously closed for COVID. Oh, uh, but we can just like stream it at my house mm-hmm. at HBO Max, <laughs> right? 
There yeah. you go. It'll save a lot of trouble now. And now you just go straight to the uh, streaming and uh, chill. Oh, and then you know the other thing too. When you talk about like dating, right? So I'd all this is what I'd always do when I went on dates. I'd always go to the movies and I'd always see some movie that sucked. I swear, every single date I went to the movies, save save for one. Um, mm. but every other movie I went to is always something that was like some shit. So now if the stuff is on streaming, I could kind of like vet, or I could yeah. go to the, you know I could see the movie. And then go and see it again, so that way I could go to the movies. And if I'm on date, I don't really gotta pay attention to a movie because if it's something I've never seen before, I'm still gonna like, mm. I'm gonna want to like have my eyes on it. But if I've seen it already, you know, I could focus on it being a good date. Mm. But um, you know, and the the, the last thing I want to say or the last benefit with things being on streaming, like if you're a big director, like. Uh, Christopher Nolan, your name already carries value. Chris, uh, Quentin Tarantino, um, Martin Scorsese, right? Mm. People are gonna see your movie regardless. With streaming now, like how many times, Mike, has there been movies like we watched because it's all the buzz on Twitter and all the websites and the internet and nobody, like, everybody's talking about this random movie. Like, think about Bird Box. Mm. Right. Like, would Bird Box be a movie that people would have went in droves to see? Well, I don't think anyone saw a, a very similar movie about not making sound. They made a movie about you can't see Bird Box, and there's another one where if you say something, if you if you make sound, this monster comes at you. And that did that that no one really knew about it unless you you were like into horror movies mm-hmm. bird box was a bet and speaking of a the movie theater experience is a communal experience and people are afraid that oh but it's a community it's you know it's a community nowadays you watch it streams at midnight you go on twitter that's the communal now like people talk, uh, tweeting about it that's the same new our new version of a virtual community you know yeah. so like back then you were like laughing like uh, oh, get scared with the person next to you, and you had that experience, a shared experience. Now it's through uh, social media, which you just brought up. So I think uh, it's just different, but it's, it's still like at its essence the same. Yeah, like um, Adam Sandler, he just dropped um a couple like a month or two ago, um, he'll be Halloween. Mm-hmm. So you know, like Adam Sandler, like going to the movies to see Adam Sandler movies, you know, it's it's hit or miss, right? Yeah. But now you know you see an Adam Sandler movie, you're like, eh, I, I don't, I don't want to see it. But it's on Netflix, and now people are saying like, oh, like Hubie Halloween is hilarious. You gotta watch it. Blah blah blah. And like, mm. I watch Hubie Halloween. It's, it's like classic Adam Sandler. Like it's fun. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. It was really, really, really good. And you know, a movie like that, if it was just coming out in theaters, it would have just flopped. Yeah, but the, now the risk, the risk is gone. Exactly, and then the movie like Mink, uh, Mink, we we probably wouldn't have saw that in the movies, but it's on Netflix, and I'm like, all right, bet. Like, I could carve out time on a Saturday, and I think also with like the streaming thing now, like, my mom got out of the hospital, mm. or she was in the hospital when Borat Two came out, and me and her went to see. Borat in the movies together, and she didn't know what the fuck she was getting into, but she enjoyed it. <laughs> oh God, that's like me and my mom with South Park. Yeah, 
so, so. I, I yeah i saw jurassic park when i was like four mm-hmm. we didn't know it was gonna be a fucking horror movie yeah. okay and then we bet like, oh, we gotta see this movie we gotta see this movie and my mom like sat like two two rows behind us for south park and it was like i even i literally just got the pun bigger longer and uncut i just got that like <laughs> where it's like a, a double yeah. entendre and then that and jane silent bob she took us too because she's a wonderful woman because yeah. we, we, we would have had a way to hear but yes mo- mothers they do they do a lot for us <laughs> yeah so you know i've been like haggling with her to watch the second one i'm like you know uh, like and especially like you know we you know I've, I've grown up into like um you know all of us me my mom and my stepdad like that's, that's something we always talk about a lot politics so I'm, I'm like, you know, it's 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 a fun movie for all of us to watch. So now with the the fact that it's on Amazon Prime, and you could pop it on whenever you feel like it, it's much easier to get together as a family and watch movies now than like if you had to go to the theaters. Like I can't remember the last time, like it's a very rare occasion. Mm-hmm. Like all all of us go to the movies. Like the last time mm-hmm. my whole family went to the movies was um when bad boys for life came out like and i was like one of the i think not that might have been like all of that all of us that might have been like the first time in years that all of us went to the movies together man now that i think about it if you're talking about like my core family like Mm -hmm. um the last one my brother me maybe my girl i think jackie was there too but then is his what my brother's wife and my mom so once one time in hollywood the first time uh the last time I, if i wanted to say like my parents and like my brother and us at least us four the ones who like grew up together i don't know probably like some random movie like 20 years ago i don't yeah probably a long time ago that's crazy now that i think about it i always see like westerns and shit with my dad and like sci-fi movies but it'd just be me and him yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't even think about it. And a lot of times when you go, when you go to the movies too, like, you know, it'd be something where like, I'll go see my movie, you go see your movie, mm-hmm. and like, we'll like, you know, let me know when your movie's done, and we'll meet up to like, mm-hmm. you know, go out to eat afterwards, like you don't see the same movie together mm-hmm. anymore. Um and you said all of these movies are going to drop on December 25th, so yeah, that's you know, 2020, you, yeah. Yeah, so now, like, when the family's over, you could be like, all right, well... On Christmas. You know, yeah, 7 o'clock. Well, the Knicks aren't playing on oh. Christmas Day now. 7 o'clock, we go all watch. Um, yeah, that was a family tradition. See the movie see a movie on Christmas Day, and I think that's the last time we were all together. I think it was Gangs in New York. That was fucking mm-hmm. 20 years ago almost. That could have been the last time. Yeah, one, like, my first, my first Christmas here... So, listen, I, I have... A relationship with the movie experience because our first Christmas in New York, um, we are not even our first Christmas, our second Christmas because our first Christmas, like we went back home to uh, St. Thomas and the Virgin Islands. Second Christmas, I think we had a regular Christmas, and then the third Christmas, it was like post 9-11 um so you know fine you know finances kind of restricted us that year and we all decided to go to the movies and i I remember vividly because we went to see ali oh yeah was that year yeah Mm -hmm. so you know um 
it, it'd be interesting to see, but I, I I feel like it's weird coming from a guy like Christopher Nolan, and it it really does sound insensitive, um, especially in a pandemic. Because think of um earlier in the pandemic, especially mainly between um March, between April, June, and and the earlier April, May, June, and the early part of July when there weren't any sports on, mm. you know, you were really reliant on, you know, streaming services and, and, you know, a lot of like, you, you watched a lot of stuff like you, you never would have saw, you couldn't go to the movies. People needed to be entertained. Hey, Tiger, Tiger King came out and that was like, that swept the world up. And that was the first week of lockdown. That was like, uh, April, circa April one. And that shows you how desperate for entertainment we were. <laughs> but it's communal, though. We all started talking about it. Uh, with Christopher Nolan, I see through it as a facade. Like, um, he has that British, you know how I feel about them. But uh, they, he was kind of like playing both sides by like pulling on the heartstrings of like, but everyone who scoops the popcorn, you know, like uh, t- talking to the everyman. The everyman. He just wants to see his shit on the goddamn thing and get his percentage. You know? You don't give a shit. Hey, and guess what? We talk about going to the movies with our fam- with our parents and uh, family as kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. We, always, we always brought our own food. We brought a popcorn, Bro, rice, was... wise popcorn cheddar, and See? a couple of Skittles. That's that was that was a tradition. My mom would be like, and she like hand out like the candy like down, down the row, and like my Pepsi. See, I wait, didn't wait wanna... for it. Yeah, wait for a scene where someone like a gunshot goes off. See, that's what I left out of all. Uh, that's what I left out of most of my um, movie stories here, because I didn't think we were gonna discuss that. But <laughs> there were a lot of times I used to sneak into movies. I buy a ticket for one, and I see multiple movies. So go. guess what, Christopher Nolan? Yeah, I'm. I missed that experience. I'm not gonna be able to see three recent movies all at the same time. Okay, yeah. that, like oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. Hey. Netflix took 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 um me being um me doing illegal activities at the movies away and hey. also the the bringing in food that's why i was late that's one of the reasons i was late because i used to, i stopped to like mcdonald's or chipotle or something like that and grab something to like sneak into my <laughs> coat pocket so oh, yeah. i didn't have to buy food i needed hey, hey. and the reason i was on the concession line was because i needed something to drink in college we went we, on a whim we saw like uh saw maybe it was high school it was whenever saw one of the saws came out and my friend goes uh i'm like what are you, what are you gonna get candy and he goes yeah but he went into like the shop right or whatever, <laughs> stop and shop because you're gonna get candy right and he was like yeah he comes back with a guy in foot long <laughs> foot long hero <laughs> and like we're like he's like eating it It was like a midnight show and he's like eating it and stuff i was like yeah. lettuce everywhere and then the other thing with um the uh oh man i completely forgot now um yeah, I got caught up with the, uh, the my friend with the, with the foot long. Um, mm. Oh yeah, 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 now I remember. Mm-hmm. So other times I bought tickets for like one particular movie because it was PG thirteen to see an R rated movie. Yeah, that's the one thing I I, I feel bad for because kids won't have the experience of sneaking in to see a titty flick. So, you know? and like the last one, last thing I'm gonna say is like. I, you know, later on in life, when we're talking about sneaking in stuff, um, so anytime me and Joel used to go to the movies, we'd buy like one of those little, um, the, the little small personal, um, alcohol, airplane, travel, travel. yeah, like the travel liquor. 
and you know you buy like a big ass soda and drop it in there and then we went to baltimore a couple of years back to um see the yankees and mm-hmm. we we were there from like a thursday night to saturday afternoon so the thursday afternoon we got there and that night we went to the yankee game because it was the last game of the series and then they left so we were still there so like we spent the day in baltimore and it was like a shitty ass like rainy day so me and him i bought like a um uh uh like a group on for the hotel like the restaurant in the marriott like across the street from camden yards and it was like you had to spend like 70 it was like you paid $50 for like $100 worth like $100 off your bill mm-hmm. um so you know the food itself and like we had like beers so the food it, it that stuff came up to like 50 so the guy at the bar cuz we sat at the bar and we was eating He's like, you know, you could spend that on alcohol. So I bought like wine and I kept on drinking wine and drinking beers. And like me and him, me and Joel got drunk and shit. And then we found, you know, you talk about the Alamo. There was a, um, we, we found like a movie theater in the city, like in the Inner Harbor, um, that served alcohol. So then we went there and we had rum and cokes, but I was already shit faced from the hotel bar. And we watched Captain America Civil War and I was so drunk, like I couldn't remember the whole movie for shit. Mm. And then when we got out, me and Joel was like talking and I was like, you know, I'm gonna have to like when we get back to New York, we're gonna have to go through the movies and see this again. Mm. But we never did. So what I eventually did was like a couple months later, um, bought rented it off of um amazon or like my playstation store and i watched it on video anyways mm. so i mean the the point i'm trying to make is like it's just a thing about ac- accessibility mm. like you can go to the movies but also you, you should be able to watch a movie from yeah. home both people both both sides are going to be uh whether you want to do a or you want to do b it's going to be both mm-hmm. uh, and you're like, still good financially. It's going to be successful because you're going to have both outlets. And I know for a fact, I'm looking at the facts right now, they, they get paid because they made a deal a year ago. Obviously I have, I'm a very nostalgic guy. I would don't plan on doing, I don't care about theaters anymore, uh, but I, I'm, I feel bad for like people like younger people because they don't have the same experiences, but they wouldn't have the same experiences with us anyway. Like, yeah. like my parents are going to, or like, let's say someone like going to like drive in and, that's not uh, that's not us i don't have any memory of that i went to one and it was it was like a retro thing um i did it once you know but with me i have a lot of memories of like like i said like the dates like the first dates when i was a kid younger uh getting getting like yelled at like that was like one of my uh uh what do you call that again like the test like the um Lit- litmus test litmus test yeah i'll like purposely like say something and then if like the girl like sh- uh shush me i'd be like deal breaker and you just you just lost me um uh, it's like funny like oh you're talking and then I, the only thing that like my who i'm with now and who, who i've been with uh 
that's the one thing where like let everything slide like i talk during tv or like i'll uh, be loud at night and like i'll never get a shh or be quiet only in theaters and i'm like I'm, I'm making your experience better by giving you facts about i'm giving you facts about the backstory to it you know i don't know i just i'm very nostalgic and um but i'm also a realist i think theaters are you know would become a luxury i it would be a luxury yeah, it's not going to be like the only means and it, it it just depends like if you're a filmmaker what what are you like are you an artist mm. um because if you're an artist then you just like you know we brought up south park it reminds me of like this episode of south park where they were they wanted to start a band mm. and like cartman decided to start like he, he they like the four of them were trying to start a band and then like cartman decided to become like a christian artist because he 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 was like all right it's such an easy yeah change the lyrics yeah all he, he did was change like love song lyrics to, <laughs> to, to jesus god. and god yeah it's true though but um the rest but stan and kyle um they like they wanted to um like they wanted to find new music or find like a sound by listening to new music. So this is back in like Napster days mm. and like LimeWire. So they were downloading the music illegally and like SWAT teams came in the house and da 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 da, right? And they took them to like different um music artists' house and shit like that. And it was like, oh, like Britney Spears, she wanted to get uh mm-hmm. the 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 twenty the twenty the two thousand seven G four um plane. But guess what? She has to settle for her old 2005 G4 plan. You know why? Yeah. Because people are um, download music illegally. And, oh, this artist, he can't afford his second pool because you guys are illegally downloading a thing. And, like, at the end of the episode, like, they kind of protest um, illegally downloading stuff. And then they kind of come to their conclusion. They were like, you know what, at the end of the day, like, we're artists. We just want our art out hit, out there. Like, who cares if people download it for free? They're still listening to us. They're still mm-hmm. um, seeing, you, you know, they're still hearing our music. And, like, they had, like, Metallica. Because, you know, Metallica was, like, the main, mm-hmm. um, Lars Ulrich and them were, like, the ones, the main ones that were, like, shitting on Napster. Yep, um, footage of him in court. I work really hard on my drums on this, you know, because. I mean, yeah. I, I see both sides, but yeah. some pe- some people you don't even hear ever. Like back then, uh, now Spotify is different. That's a whole other animal. But you would never hear someone's song, or you never see someone's movie unless you found it in that way. And Nolan, we wrap it up with this. Nolan is he's cerebral enough, or he's playing chess where he knows someone's going to say that, like, "Oh, you're just a big movie star. You're a big director. Like you don't need the money. You just want. But would you want your stuff out there?" But he was. Like I said, bringing up people who worked, like the the concession people, like he went all the way down to like people that, literally, that's their like job. Like they needed, they live and die on like collecting tickets and all that. So he saw it. He had the foresight to bring that up. So you can't, you know, because I brought up everything he said. Mm-hmm. I think he's just playing, like playing both sides. So you know, he's testing the water to see, like you know. Yeah, so so it'll be interesting to see what the um going forward what the results are um if it affects but we won't know because we're still in the pandemic so 
we we we'll have to wait then till you know we're out of it and we're you know getting back to normalcy or you know a, a semblance of normalcy to to see who's right or wrong here or if both can yeah. coexist and it's, stuff like that. So it, no, it, it will be, but it's like going to the airport. It's gonna be different. Yes, like after nine eleven, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be the same but different. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you've been following this program, you know we are big time um sports fans you know me and mike we kind of have the same sports allegiances you know uh yankees giants um knicks rangers um but i was scrolling through twitter and you know last night the knicks had their first preseason game it was actually the first game they had played since march um because of the pandemic and of course they were out of the um the out one of the eight teams um they call them the delete eight play on you know the ncaa elite eight um one of the teams that weren't invited to go play in the bubble in orlando so it was it was really exciting you know um to watch them finally play basketball last night because unlike you know for me basketball as a sport is kind of like ruined for me like I don't really watch it I I can't really I I don't really watch it outside of like the Knicks or if I'm watching it I'm hate watching LeBron James because you know I don't like him so I'm rooting against him and rooting for the team for that specific night or that specific series that he's going against and that's like as far as my NBA um fandom goes so you know and i didn't watch the bubble at all because you know i've said on on here like my issues with the nba bubble so i didn't watch any of those games i didn't watch the quote-unquote playoff games or the quote-unquote finals you know i I still designate those as the mickey mouse championships because they were played in disney world and it didn't seem real to me um, so I was excited to see them play and, you know, NBA Twitter, um, I think this whole weekend is when all of the preseason games start. So a lot of people, um, wanted to get out their NBA, um, you know, we're talking about the NBA over the last couple of days and, and all day yesterday. So one particular thing that came out during I saw on Twitter was um this guy um supposedly he's um you know relevant for something because he has a blue check on Twitter a verified account so he went out of his way to make like a um a statement like or or a, a letter it, it, to make it look like kind of like a press release where he was explaining that he was leaving uh Knicks fandom and f- going forward he's going to be a Brooklyn Nets fan and Mike actually has a document here so, so Mike yeah so uh, a little popping circumstance you know uh press release you hear the uh, cameras going off after the 2019-2020 NBA season I've decided to reevaluate my lifelong relationship with the New York Knickerbockers and enter free fan Agent, uh, free uh, fan free agency 
During that time, I weighed my options and I considered what was best move for me and my family. When I surveyed the, surve, surveyed the NBA landscape, I realized that I was in a one-sided relationship. I love Dolan's Knicks more than I, they love me. Despite losing records, ridiculous free agent signings, rising in astronomical ticket prices, a terrible front office, a seven-year playoff drought, and a total lack of on-court effort, I stayed a loyal fan. When I think of my relationship with the Knicks, I'm reminded of the fictional Will Smith in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, contemplating his relationship with his dad, and I'm left standing there with tears in my eyes, wondering, how come you don't want me, man? It's a terrible heartbreak that I wish to free myself from. That is why I've decided to take my fandom to my native BK, to my native Flatbush Avenue, to to the Nets. Go Brooklyn, sincerely yours, Robert A. Markman. Little Mark. Mm. Right off the bat. Uh, I get it. You know, it's like trying to be cute and stuff. Uh, but right off the bat, I'm going to say like F- after the 2019-2020 season, this particular season, this is the this is what you get out of this season. Mm-hmm. Oh, they haven't played since March, right? Why haven't they played since March? Because of the pandemic, that's you know, like this is what you take away from it. Yeah. You know, like that, like you, you got to make it all by yourself. This is a very strange NBA season. Mm-hmm. You just said you didn't watch any of the uh, any of the uh, games in the bubble. So, like, why you got to make something cute about this? And it just that's just a kind of annoying, you know. As fans, we should all be like, you know, not not trying to be all like dismissive and shit. Anyway, you, uh, let's talk about the next one, like. Your your, your uh, reaction. Well, my first reaction when I saw that is, you know, if you have to reevaluate your relationship with a team, and quote unquote enter um fan free agency, um, I don't think you were a fan of that team to begin with. Um, and it's like, if you want to be a bandwagoner, just call it that. Like you're, you're a bandwagoner. You're hopping on, you you hopped off the Knicks bandwagon and you're on the Nets bandwagon now. And, you know, Mike, with like sports today, like a lot of people are, they're not even like fans of like the team anymore. Um, like they're fans of like the players. So it's got these people where they like. You know, people, you know, people will get like the shirts or the jerseys of their favorite players. And when you look inside their closet, it looks like a Skittles commercial, like all these different, all the colors of the rainbow. Like, um, you know, my best friend, he was a, uh, he's a LeBron fan. So he's gone from Cleveland to Miami, back to Cleveland, to the Lakers. So it's, it's yeah. you know, a lot of people they're about the the um the the person in 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 the laundry and not the laundry itself. And it's like if you're a bandwagoner, just say you're a bandwagoner, like yeah, front runner stuff. Um, I'm I'm real quick. Uh, I have two things to say. One thing is I'm reading a uh, a response like a comment on it and he's like oh welcome to free agency my brother he's like uh, i just joined the, i joined the lakers last season and now i know how it feels to be a, they get a chip okay first off i i actually remember that dude 
do, do you, if that's the same guy, I'm not saying his name, but if you if that's what you want is a championship, you gotta you gotta wait for it. You gotta enjoy. It. Me and my brother, this is what we always say. Okay, well, I get that we we live in like New York metropolitan. We live in New York City. Um, of course, there's other cities like you know like so, like rural and suburb areas, and then you root for whoever is like in your maybe a neighboring state, maybe somewhere else in the state. Uh, you don't have an allegiance because, like, if you go to Jersey, there's um, Jer- there's like you know, like uh, you see a Yankee banner, and then you'll see like a a, a Phillies banner, like right next to each other, because like they're on the border of like in between both states. That I understand, but um, if you live in a city that has an actual team, and like let's say I'm rooting for like uh, the Lakers, and we and they beat like a New York team, they will completely shit on the city of the team they beat. And they'd be like, I did this for you, LA. And I'm like, how do you get off? How do you like, like appreciate that? Like, um, uh, I, I guess I'm spoiled. We're spoiled. Cause like, uh, we have all these teams, you like multiple teams in each sport Yeah. and people aren't, you know, some people don't have that benefit, that luxury of having that, but you know, damn well, what they're going to like shit on you. And like, it's like for the city that they play for. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other thing is, you, how do you appreciate something if like you just started watching them like a year or six months or during like the run? Like, yeah. I think it, you're more, you'll enjoy it more. Like the whole thing with the Yankees, uh, I, you know, obviously I was 96, but like my dad went like uh, 18 years without seeing a uh, championship from like, what was it? 78, right. To, yeah. um, to 96, you know, and then like you appreciate it more. I think maybe it's just like a, a luxury of it that I'm thinking of. But like when like uh, what if like I started liking the Lightning, Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, just because I like one guy, yeah, who like, went over there, and then like they're doing their parade, and it's all about like the city of Tampa and all that stuff. And wouldn't you feel like I don't, I don't, I guess that's the way I watch sports is like I'm very, very like not uh, I, I, I centric totally, to you know where I'm from. I totally get get what you're talking about because like I, I'll be like I'll find it weird like after a team wins a championship um and these guys are like fans of these teams but they're not like from that area that they won the championship and i'm like how do you fully understand how do you fully understand a chance or how do you fully enjoy a championship and it's like a parade they have a parade and a celebration that you're not able to go to like when the yankees win like my my um my ritual was like, all right, they won. I'm happy. Blah 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 blah. Two days from now, they're having a parade. All right, I gotta wake up eight o'clock in the morning, hop on the train, oh. get down to lower my hand. Yeah, get down to Wall Street. Um, find my spot on Broadway in the Canyon of Heroes. Blah 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 blah. And mm-hmm. as I've said on Black Seats back in the day when my mom used to work down there, I'd watch it from mm-hmm. her office. Um, from from the office she worked at. Toss out the ticket tape. Yeah, and um, you know the same thing with the the Giants. Like to me, Mike, I feel like you know it's cool when you're like a kid. Like, cause when you're a kid, a lot of times, you know, as I I just described, like people like you know certain players, and you know you like the player more than you like the laundry, you know, and. You know, if you you were a kid, like when I was a kid, right? I was a Chicago Bulls fan. 
Mm-hmm. Because as as you said, you I lived in a situation where we didn't have a sports team. I lived in St. Thomas and Virgin, so obviously we didn't have a sports team. So you just watch who's on TV. And you you know, so I, I grew up watching Michael Jordan and you see him in Space Jam with your favorite cartoons, and that endears him to you even more. Um and then um you know with football you know at first like i remember like i used to be a fan of the tennessee titans because they went to the super bowl in the same year that a movie i love came out remember the titans and i remember seeing remember the titans and like i wasn't into sports like that back then but I was trying to figure out how this high school team became an NFL team. I was so confused. And that mm-hmm. was the reason I liked the Tennessee Titans. And then I really liked um, Eddie yeah. Ger- Eddie George and yeah, so. Steve McNair, God rest his soul. Yeah, I, I rooted for them against the uh, fucking Rams or whatever. Yeah, and, you know, then later on, you know, Michael Vick. Mm. You know, I become a fan of Michael Vick. And not only Michael Vick, but the fact that I had, you know, my family lived in Atlanta and I'd spent years in Atlanta. So I was familiar with the city and like, I knew the Georgia dome and and stuff like Mm. that. And, you know, I, you know, I was a fan of the Falcons. And then on, you know, when I got to like high school, you know, um, I was a fan of, I still am, I'm a fan of like Cameron and the Diplomats and Jim Jones and Joel Santana. So they came out with a song, We Fly High, and it was, it, it kind of became like the theme song for the New York Giants. So I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I am a Falcons fan, but at the same time, like, I'm from New York, so if I got a, you know, it's either Giants or Jets, I need a New York team. Oh, my God. This is revelation to me. I didn't know you started watching the Giants, like, that time. Wow. I, I thought you were, like, earlier 2000s. Wow. Yeah, and then, I mean, well, retroactively, I got pissed, I'm pissed <laughs> off at Kerry Collins. Um for, nah, he's a good man. Uh, he, for the Super Bowl against the Ravens. The nah, Ravens. nah, man, he has some substance abuse, man. You got to give him, uh, give him some, give him some uh, slack. And then, um, so I was like, all right, you know, the Giants are like my New York team. And then not only that, but they got Eli, um, and then they had like Kurt Warner and, you know, they had like an exciting team back then too, because they had Strahan, they had, um, Jeremy Shockey. Yeah. Um, that year was interesting. Yo, Kerry, Con- I mean, um, Kurt Warner was doing well and then he got like hurt. They were like yeah. five and two. They were five and two, you know? Which is and so got, weird. Yeah, and then he got Wally Pip by Eli. <laughs> I mean, even though, you know, Eli, they, they did trade up to get Eli. So the idea was Eli, you know, taking over and he took over mm-hmm. and never didn't give it up until, you know, um, McAdoo and Kevin Reese uh, decided bad. to start um, Geno, um, Geno Smith for a game. That was bad. But that's neither here nor there. It's all in the past. But. I'm just explaining to you. So then I became mm. a Giants fan. And then at the same time, around the same time, was when, 
Michael Vick with the, you know, the the legal Dog. stuff with him happened, and then uh, mm-hmm. they had Bobby Petrino as a coach, and like he was like shitty, and he was an awful person. So he was shitty and an awful person, and then they let go of Michael Mike Vick, who was the reason I I, I was like a fan of them. And then they had this shitty coach, and I was just like, "All right, I'm done with the the Falcons. I'm legitimate. I'm I'm a picking your town up north. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a Giants fan, like true and true. And then, you know, the Yankee fan, like I like I always said, I always at first I always leaned Yankees, and then my relationship with them solidified during two thousand the the ALCS in two thousand three. So I always been there, and then with the Knicks. Uh, Mike, you want to hold on to your seat with this. Uh, so I was a fan of like the after Mike, uh, Michael Jordan retired. I was a um, I went to my second favorite player, which was Shaquille O'Neal, and right. you know, so yeah, so I, I, I was a fan of the Lakers. Um, you know, during that tree beat, and then when Shaq got traded to the Heat, you know, I liked, you know, I, I, I you know, it's like, all right, I'm going with my guy, and I like the Heat, and you know, I like D Wade. Uh, he, he, he was like a young, like a, a kid back then. So I, I was, I was really, I really like loved him as a player, and then. Like the Knicks obviously were bad at that point. They were only bad for like a year or two. Well, I'll I'll tell my story, but that that's a little foreshadowing. But continue, please. I don't want to cut you off. Yeah. So here's the the part where it's like you might want to hold on to your seats. So you know, I learned the game of basketball from my stepdad and my dad. And my stepdad used. To, uh, I mean, my dad was a big Magic Johnson fan, so he would. And he, so he would tell me about the battles that. Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson played in and then Isaiah Thomas came to the Knicks. He had that name, that that, you know, brand name, you know, that basketball mind. Um so I, and the first thing he did was he went out and got like Stephon Marbury, um, who was like, you know, he was a really good NBA player, but he was synonymous with that you know, playground and one style. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he was on and one. Brooklyn. Brand. Yeah. Yeah. That Lincoln high, which is like one of the breeding grounds for like tough dudes in uh, New York. Yeah. So then I became like a Nick fan then. And, um, you know, the point I'm trying to make with that is just, I feel like, you know, when you're a kid, like you could do this, like, Oh, I'm trying to figure out what team I like, blah, 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 blah. But I think once you become like a, at least a teenager, like I think you got up until you're like 17. Like once mm-hmm. you're 18, like whatever team you like, then that should just be your team for life. If, yeah. if it's not, you're a bandwagoner. But like, like um, to jump off what you just said, but then if you go to a, you go away to school somewhere, you get four, five, you, you get a pass if you like start liking a, a college a collegiate team that you go to like if you grew up in new york then i know you started rooting for alabama and because you went there mm-hmm. that i understand yeah like i was a US, you were there 
like I'm a USC Trojan fan, but you know, I went to the University of Pittsburgh. So um and and at the time like Pittsburgh had like one of the like when I went to college, they had one of the like top ranked basketball teams with like Dewan Blair and black back when um uh Jimmy, I forgot his name, the coach. Oh yeah. Um and they were like a, always like one of the top ranked um teams. So, you know, that brought my fandom and then as I've told Mike before, we used to go to um I got season tickets to the the Panthers and we used to go down to Heinz Field on a Saturday morning and go to the games and stuff like that. So even though I was a US and I still at the same time was a USC Trojan fan, but you know Pittsburgh was um Big Ten. I mean not Big Ten, Big East at the same at that time. Um I think later on while I was still there, they went to the ACC. Yeah. That was that mass exodus. Like a lot of teams went to ACC that in that time. Yeah, yeah. and um Syracuse. USC was in the pack. 10 it was the pack 10 at the at the time now it's the pack 12 mm. um so they never played each other like the only way they would play each other is like in a bowl game and that never happened so you know like mike said you know when you go to college you kind of have that you you, you kind of get that that room to breathe with you know rooting mm. for a different team yeah um you know your experience is different that's the experience i was saying where like you don't have you have to choose because you're not given this I have an older brother and a father who instilled like who I rooted for because uh, like Yankees, like I became aware of sports like during the run, like the 96 one and f- going forward uh, with the Giants. I started watching in like 98 and then mm-hmm. they went to the Super Bowl like two years later. Um, you know, then I went backwards and like, you know, studied up and everything. Um, but what I'm doing, what I'm saying about this, mm-hmm. this gentleman is from New York City. Okay. Yeah. I think the biggest rival is always like the other crosstown rival, like the Yankees and Mets. Like I would going to the Mets, like just because I live, like I have friends who are Mets fans and they live closer to Yankee Stadium, Mm -hmm. and you know what I mean. Like, um, but he's a but he's a he's a Mets fan because you know because of his uh background, his family like they they like the Mets and then he became a Mets fan. Uh, I I couldn't imagine like crossing crossing the line like, you know, like that's what that's what i'm saying i don't know because like it's the same city i don't know it just seems like stick i don't know just stick with it stick with the i uh, mean you know then, like the whole the whole deeper thing about the like, political stuff behind it like with dolan okay then you're mixing it up you're you're switching and then you're also attacking the players he also said that they, there's like no effort on the on the court you're just insulting the players so maybe you know i don't know I, I, it's entertainment also, and it's like a fanhood. So you, so what if the Nets win? Like, let's say they win ne- next year or this season, you're really enjoyed m- way more than if you were a Nick fan. Mm, that's an interesting point. But like, you're gonna get it. Well, I mean, like the thing, I, I, like the thing I think of when people say that, like, oh, like the Knicks have been so bad, and like you know, Dolan was you know he needs to sell the team well first of all right um selling the team isn't like the cure-all like i think like the dodgers um in the late 90s to the late 2000s they were owned by like 
the news corporation, um, like Fox. And then they, you know, during that time, they weren't competitive. And a lot of times that's what happens. Like when teams are owned by like a corporation and they're kind of like a um subsidiary and not just like, you know, we have an owner that's hands on, uh, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, and like they, you know, it's because it, it was a time actually like the worst period in Yankee history. Yeah, George. they were owned by CBS before mm-hmm. Steinbrenner bought them. Mm-hmm. Glad you brought it up. Like this is like a, a brand name franchise, like the the most famous franchise in the world, and they kind of ran it like a subsidy, and did it was like the worst years in Yankee history, the early, the late sixties to the early seventies. But like the Dodgers, they were owned by, um, the News Corporation, and then they sold to this guy Frank McCourt, and you know the first couple years. Um, they went out, they got like Manny Ramirez, they hired Joe Torre after he 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 and the Yankees parted ways. Man. And Joe Torre led them to the NLCS in back to back years in um 2008 and 2009. And then the owner, Frank McCourt, he um him and his wife get divorced, and like the ownership of the team is one of the things like that's being like um disputed or whatever. Dis- yeah disputed in court and the the dodgers kind of go back to like their irrelevancy mm-hmm. you know uh so so the point on and then later on they were bought by a different ownership group and then you know they became the dodgers you know they're the world champions now yeah so um you know they went back into that irrelevancy so you know there was all of this um all right, as soon as we get, like, a new owner, we're going to be good. And it's just, like, it didn't work out like that. Um, well, the Knicks are a subsidiary, uh, subsidiary of uh, Cablevision or Optimum, whatever it's called now, you know? Yeah, or, but, but at the same time, like, Dolan's, like... But he's hands-on, yeah. Owner, super, you know what I'm saying? He's not just, like, it's not, like, a board that owns it. Yeah, and, like, our beef with the Yankees now is that they are now. They have, like, a... There's, like, a whole, like, board of guys... They're more I mean, concerned. Well, they're more. Well, well, they're more concerned about making money in Asia and places like that, and just like selling their television rights than like. Hey, like, the, like when they, they lost, they still you know have I mean? like a chairman. Like how still, like, yeah, the yeah, guy. But did I come off as uh, anti xenophobe <laughs> No, but you know he he brought up the ownership and then um, the other thing about that is with the it's interesting that he picked the Nets because mm-hmm. um. You know, I think like the Nets' whole like um, strategy was to like kind of. Well, first of all, they came yeah in 2012, and that, the Knicks kind of had like a, a upswing mm-hmm. uh, at that time. They had Melo. They the won a series. division. They won um the yeah the Celtic series, which was their first playoff series win. They had uh, place first playoff series win in like ten years. 2001. And then um, they had Linsanity. They had all of this stuff going on that Mm, um, captivated New York. And and, um, then the Nets, they went out and they got Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett in like this, um, this, um, like, you thought it was going to like destroy the team because they traded away all their draft picks and 
you know, anytime they did have a pick, they had to swap picks with Boston. So if Boston ended up with like the 20th pick and like the Nets ended up with like the third pick, they had to switch. Mm-hmm. So, um, but even then, like when the Knicks, you know, the Knicks haven't made the playoffs in the last seven years, as he said, um, he, you know, and the Nets did make the playoffs with Paul Pierce, with Garnett. These are more key names. These are people that just were on the Celtics that, you know, went to the finals in 2008 and won, and they went to the finals in 2010 and lost, and they've been in the conference finals. So, you know, they had that star factor, kind of like they got now with um, KD and, and Kyrie. But people, like, still didn't care. Like, they were in the playoffs. The Knicks were out of the playoffs, but people still talked about the the Knicks. And I think mm. the thing with the Nets and, you know, it's a thing with the national media, but not with the local media, where they'll say, like, you know, well... Katie and Kyrie, if like this, you know, if they're playing this year, this, you know, they could be, you know, finals contenders. Like, don't you think like Knicks fans are gonna gonna switch, you know, are are fed up wanting they become um Nets fans? And it's just like people don't understand like the stubbornness mm-hmm. and the loyalty New York fans have. Like you could go as far back to when we had three baseball teams. Mm. You had the Giants, who played right there in Manhattan, and not even a mile away, you had the Yankees, who played in Yankee Stadium. You could see it from each other. Exactly. Um, at, one, at one point, they played, the, the Yankees played at the Polo Grounds, and the whole reason they built Yankee Stadium was because they got kicked out, because Babe Ruth was making them like out um they were getting more attendance and selling out more than the Giants were with Babe Ruth in their own park and I pissed um John McGraw off who somebody I want to talk about in a black seats special about um the color barrier in baseball coming out sooner or later. Um so watch out for that. So you had those two teams, Bronx Manhattan and then you had the Brooklyn Dodgers who played where the Nets um actually the spot that the Nets are playing in now is where they wanted to build a new stadium to keep the Dodgers in Brooklyn instead of going to LA. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I, I talked about how successful the Yankees were in the earlier part of the century. And the Giants, like they won, I think their last title was like 1922. And then the next title was 1954. So they kind of, they, they, they weren't as successful. And then the Dodgers, their only championship in Brooklyn was in 1955. So the Yankees were beating them up. So the point I'm trying to bring to you, Mike, is like those teams you know, fans of those teams never said, like, all right, I'm done with getting beat by the Yankees. I'm going to be a Yankee fan. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And... Yeah, there's actually stories about that. Like, there's Dodger fans who never went – they, they they stopped watching it when they went to L.A. 
Exactly. They're, they're, they're Brooklyn Dodger fans. They're not LA Dodger fans. And I, I'm gonna get to that point now. On my phone. Because when no, that's fine. Because it's like wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. So those two teams went to California. Giants went to San Francisco. And then right after that, the Dodgers went to Brooklyn and they kind of went, I mean, they, they left Brooklyn and went to LA and they kind of did it in tandem. So that way there would be two teams on the West coast instead of just one. So you'd already have that rivalry, which they already had from New York, but you, you know, like Mike said, people stopped watching when they went to LA. So you kind of started that rivalry with people in San Francisco hating people in L.A. and vice versa, right? But in New York, at that point, there were only two teams. I mean, there was only one team, the Yankees. And mind you, this is the Yankees after the Dodgers left that went to the World Series in 1960 and lost, but won in 1961 against Cincinnati and won in 1962 against the... Um, against the Giants, and then 1963 they lost to the Dodgers. So 1962, the New York Mets are founded. So there was at least like a three or four year gap, Mike, where like the Yankees were the only baseball team in New York, mm. and as you said, like people didn't people either became, you know, long-distance Dodger and Giants fans or they just stopped watching baseball Mm -hmm. in general and they call those National League fans because, you know, Mm -hmm. they they didn't want to switch over to American League and they didn't want to root for the Yankees because they hated the Yankees. Yeah, and that's crazy. Uh, I have a thing I want to bring up. Uh, Let me know when I have a chance to bring it up. Yeah, and then... In 1962, the New York Mets were founded and started playing, and they played on the polo grounds, and they were abysmal. Mm -hmm. Like, they had some of the worst teams. But guess what? They had fans. There were Mm -hmm. years in where they were, like, in last place. uh, Back then, they used to call it second division, where they would end up way a ways away from winning the pennant. And people were fans because these people were Dodger and Giant fans. And that they united, like the fact that they hated, their teams were gone and they hated the Yankees. Mind you, these people hated each other because mm-hmm. the Giants and the Dodgers, their rivalry was probably bigger than the Yankees. But they joined together to become Mets fans. And... You know, if you look at the Mets colors, they took the orange from the mm. Giants and they took the blue from the Dodgers. So they showed that unity. So, you know, in today, to, today's day, you know, when I talk about like the, you know, the stubbornness, right? Like if you were a Mets fan, right? And you could trade, like, let's say you're the same age as me, 30. Would you, and you could trade the accomplishments of the Yankees for the accomplishments of the Mets. Like you would make that trade, but you wouldn't want to. But you wouldn't switch teams. Same thing with the if you're a Jets fan, 
and the Giants, you wouldn't want to switch teams because you're that loyal to your team. That's why people, even though the Mets have been bad, are still Mets fans. Even though the Jets are bad, you know, while both teams were bad up until like this year, um, the Giants and the, the Jets over the past couple of years, you know, you stick with your team because that's just how New York is. We don't switch. And you even see it in L.A. too. There's people like the Clippers will never be as big as the Lakers in L.A. Plus, um, yeah. Uh, so with me, go back, uh, um, like with you, like I like the Bulls and stuff like that. I just watched it on, uh, was it like Saturday or Sunday morning? Is that NBA on NBC? Mm-hmm. So I would just watch like once a week during the weekends, watch that and like NBA inside stuff and things like that. And I just watched whoever was big. I watched all the superstars because they would have like the marquee matches the way they have now on like during the week. They had it on Saturday or Sunday mornings. So I forget which was. Um, and I never had MSG. Then I, we got MSG the year after um, the Knicks, uh, when, when, when uh, Van Gundy left. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time they were good. So I've gone the whole time with like this. I started watching it the year they became like the, the Knicks that we know about now. And exactly with me and my friend, we would, uh, me and my friends and one of my, specifically one friend, we, uh, the same time people were like, oh, hype each other up for winning. We would like yeah. hype each other up for losing. We'd be like, oh man, we gotta, we just gotta build up this. We just gotta do this. And we would like look forward and we talk about like what we need to do to win. Not like complain and just like stop watching. Yeah, you know, every year we'd be like, oh, "This is what we're gonna do. We get the draft pick here. We're gonna do this. We're gonna make moves." And that became like uh, a version of fandom. Like you know, they always say, "Lovable losers" and stuff like that. That's how they always say that. But like you, I still watch. I still like watch every year. Man, and I'll t- I'll tell you, you what, what I'm saying. I'll tell you what, Mike. This is well. First of all, look at it this way, right? Because I, I I counted in my head yesterday when I was I was thinking about. You know, after I seen that tweet, um, 1979. Since 1979, do you know how many teams have won an NBA championship? Okay, franchises, you mean, right? Yeah. Okay, this is another thing I keep bringing up. I'm glad you're bringing it up. Um, off. Let's say how many teams have won one? Mavericks. Every other thing is like a dynasty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is really, like it's going. It's going into to the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, please. Since 1979, only 11 teams, 11 different teams have won an NBA championship. Like in baseball, mm-hmm. if the same amount of years, like 20 teams have won championships. So you're talking about a league where only a third of the teams, like the championships, the Larry O'Brien trophy has been passed around between 11 different franchises. Like that's only like a third of the league. Whereas in baseball, like more than half the league has felt what it's like to be a champion. So the, the, in, in, in that basis alone, like winning a championship in the NBA is not easy. Like it, there's a lot of factors in it. Like you have to look into getting yeah. generational talent in the draft um you have to look into getting free agents to come here and obviously you know that's something that the Knicks have had a problem on and I think that's something he dis- discussed in, in his 
uh, his press release. Cool. Yeah, I did. I just did it in my head too. Yeah, eleven. Um, I keep saying it's like dynasties though. Like this is the only sport where like you can, like even baseball is hard to like. And even when you bring up dynasties, like I said, each of these dynasties they've had generational talent. The Heat. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you don't count LeBron, they had Dwayne Wade there already. The Knicks mm-hmm. haven't had a Dwayne Wade. Yeah. And I mean, the closest thing to that is is Melo. But obviously, the team, the the Knicks didn't build a great team around Melo at any point, and that's their fault. Like you could hold out against them, that's fine. And I'm still mad about that to this day. Mm-hmm. But you know, the Celtics they got they they had Paul Pierce. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he isn't a generational talent, but guess what? The fact that you got Paul Pierce, it was easier for you to get a Kevin Garnett and a Ray Allen to join him. You know, the Lakers don't even get me started. Kobe, God rest mm-hmm. his soul, but they got yeah. Shaq, they got Paul Gasol. Then mm-hmm. now they have LeBron and they have AD. Like these teams don't have, like they they've lucked out in that department, and that's where the Knicks have not. And that's that's what you know you kind of hope with the yeah. players that they have that you know, you have that leadership and that scouting department, or even if, like, these guys are really raw coming into the NBA, that you have a good development staff. And everything he's talking about, you know, this season is a season I pushed them out of the door. Like, this is the first time the, ne- the Knicks, like, they've hired people in their front office, in their scouting department, people on their coaching staff, that people are like, wow, like, I can't, I, like, you know, you talk about getting free agents, right? Or mm-hmm. getting free agents from other teams. Like, you know, NBA insiders are saying, like, wow, I can't believe they were able to get this guy to come coach for them or be in their department. Like, that's a big move. Da, 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 da. Like, you know, they're they're trying, you know, Mike. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing about it is, like, the one thing that always gives me hope is 2016. 2016, one in, in one instance, Cleveland hadn't won a championship as a city, as a city, mind you. That's that's the beauty. And I always say it's very unhealthy if you're a Met Jet Giant fan. If you fall into that, I mean Met Jet Nick fan. If you fall into that category, it's um really hard to keep the faith because. You go around year round, you're getting disappointed. But at least, mm-hmm. like for us, it's like the Yankees. You could count on them in at least contending. Yeah, if like not stocks. being com- competitive. Like stocks, like you, if you spread your thing around, some things are gonna go down, some things are gonna go up. The guy, like I said, my friend, uh, he's a Jet, uh, Nick, and Mets fan, and we were there when he dropped the ball in that Yankees and Mets Subway Series, and we were all like, we're Yankee fans, and yeah. I felt his pain. Through the Knicks, we bonded through that, you know? That's how we bonded, because that's the only team that was, like, you know, losing. Yeah, so I'm, I'm talking about, like, a whole series, I mean, a whole city of Cleveland where, you know, if you're a Cleveland fan and you want to stick with Cleveland and you're a Cavs fan, an Indian fan, a Brown fan, like, all three of those teams have given you all different types of, like, heartache, right? You know, they win the championship. And then you get to October, right? Ironically enough, the Indians, who I didn't want in a long time also, hadn't won since 1948. They're facing the they're facing the Cubs 
who hadn't won since um nineteen oh eight. So Mike, we're talking about a team where like you know, people's grandparents, like their parents hadn't seen the Cubs win a World Series. Yeah. And then you know, um Cleveland like the fact that they won the NBA finals and then lost the World Series, they actually blew a three they it's interesting enough. They they made Golden State blow a three one lead in the NBA finals and then turn around in the World Series is kinda like karma because the Indians blew a three one lead against the Cubs. But they kinda didn't care because just you know, four or five months before, like you just saw your first championship in 40 years, like you didn't want to get greedy. But in a, like, like I say, in a cup situation, like just seeing like, you know, people in their eighties and nineties, like crying tears of joy because they are thinking like, they truly, they truly believe they were never going to see their team win a championship in their lifetime. Because they've, like I said, they've had parents who died and didn't win a championship. Like, think if, like, you know, their parent, their parents were born in, like, 1910. Like, that's two years after the, 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 the Cubs' last World Series. And then the kid is born in, like, 1940. And then that kid goes on to have grandkids and he's like 70 years old. Like these are generations of people. They never thought they were going to win, but you know what? They never, they never, you know, lost faith in their team. You know, you just got to keep, take the good and the bad. I'm pretty sure a lot of people like the night, you know, the Cubs win the championship, the night the Red Sox win the championship, like these long ass droughts, like it felt phenomenal because of all that hurt. And, like, I shit you not, like, if the Knicks ever, ever break through and they win a championship, dog, it's going to be a celebration in this city unlike anything you've ever seen in the world. Like, I, I believe you, me, Mike, like, I believe it's going to be, like, New Year's Day, Christmas, um, every, it's like, it'll be as if, like, every sports team in New York won a championship that day because... You know, that's the one uniting factor in New York. Like, you know, we talk about the, the, the allegiances, like you're a Giants and a Yankee fan, you're a Jets and a Mets fan, or cross stream. Like, my friend, he's a Jets and he's a Yankees fan. And it, it'd be vice, or you'd be a Mets and a Giants fan. But the one thing, like, both, Pete, the, if you did, like, a Venn diagram, like, everybody's mm. a Nick fan. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, so, especially, you know. Because the Nets was the were in uh, Meadowlands from like the nineteen eighty to twenty twelve, right? Or from twenty eleven or something, twenty twelve. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, and, and they were a joke. And it's probably neither here nor there because you know that guy. He says he's from Brooklyn, but you know, New York was so territorial. Like our neighborhoods, our um, our sections of our boroughs to our boroughs that like. You don't, oh, yeah. you, you don't want, you're not going to celebrate. Like I, I find it hard for me being a Bronxite mm. 
and I asked you where you're from, and you said the Bronx, and I go, no, 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 where you're from? <laughs> like, what neighborhood are you from? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, no, 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 I don't mean that. Like, where are you from? Like, what, what neighborhood are you from? Yeah, it's hard for me as a Bronxite to be celebrating something while wearing a shirt that says Brooklyn on it. Mm. Like, there's nothing about Brooklyn I like. So like, I hate Brooklyn. I, I mean, I know people, like, my mom's best friend is on, she lives in Brooklyn, and she's from Brooklyn, and I love her to death, but I see, like, going to Brooklyn, I hate going to Brooklyn. Like, I hate going to Queens. I, my dad, my dad says Brooklyn's another city. It's a different city. Yeah. It, it only became New York in, like, 1920 or 1950s. Dude, sometimes I even hate going to Harlem, and Harlem mm. is basically Bronx Jr., <laughs> I, I I'm closer to Harlem probably than you. Like like it's like ten minute drive on the coast county. Go on here, I'm there in like five ten minutes. It's crazy. Yeah, but like, it seems so... like a different world. Oh yeah. Also with the um, the Brooklyn thing, when they came out, when they had the whole um, transition to Brooklyn, they were targeting also transplants. Yeah, who, who I... moved to New York. But see, that's the Hipsters. thing. That's, that's who I thought they should. Their target audience their target fan base should be all of transplant New Yorkers because all of those people it's like they probably came here from like fucking like Kentucky like two weeks ago but and they all, you know and they, they were Brooklyn yeah so, Brooklyn. so so it's like you know yeah they all, and, oh yeah I'm gonna come out and, and support the Nets and the New York Nets didn't they play in Union there yeah a- a- ABA so they never yeah, had they, they played play at like Nassau Coliseum and all that stuff yeah Uniondale so like yeah they, so they never even... really been they never really had like a New York City yeah. like footprint really um mm-hmm. that's that's interesting and then you know. if, if you want to talk about basketball and like the Knicks being like terrible like you need to like people really that's how you could tell people are like they didn't watch basketball um until like LeBron started playing because um the Golden State Warriors, right? Mm-hmm. Before they drafted Stephen Curry, they had the longest drought. I believe it was like fourteen or fifteen years. Like after like Chris Mullen uh, and uh, Mitch Richmond and, and Tim Hardaway, the run TMC. Like oh, my, I love those. That hey, that's the only team I actually liked, non New York besides like the Bulls. In, in, like in the video games in the nineties, I was always the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. I guess Chris Mullen is New York. Yeah, and like he, yeah. So those teams, like they had like the longest drought. Like they were one of the most for, like the Golden State Warriors were one of the most forgettable franchises. And then they finally made the playoffs in two thousand eight, and they actually were like the second eight seed to beat a one seed. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. No, actually the third after the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Um, after the Knicks and then the the Nuggets first, the Knicks second, and okay. then the Warriors was, was it but, the Mavs. Were they beating? Yeah, it was against the Mavericks, and the Maver- yeah. the Mavericks were like the number one team. Yeah, I remember that that year. And yeah, the most wins, most wins, I think that year, like in like a almost a historical sense, right? For, for like the Mavericks, but yeah, okay. Um, then okay. they got bad. They got bad again. Like they 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 popped like the same way the Knicks right like those mellow years where it's like yeah we were good for like a little bit but then we went back to being bad it was like the mm-hmm. same shit with the Warriors yeah. so they got bad and guess what what happened they again you got to luck into generational talent right they got Stephen Curry they drafted Clay Thompson they drafted Draymond Green and mm-hmm. these guys weren't and that's the crazy part about this and this is where I think like the Knicks could kind of like turn it around 
um sooner rather than later um with the guys that they have now and the talent that they have now like Stephen Curry was like the sixth or the seventh pick in a draft he was actually like the third or fourth point guard pick and he got picked and ironically when we talk about the Knicks lucking out he was picked right mm-hmm. in front of the Knicks next Damn, pick would have been the Knicks is- that always happened. And then one time we actually had the opportunity to pick someone else instead. And the other the person was uh, the next one. The only outlier, I've been thinking about this because uh, it's only been like, uh, what is it, 11 franchises in 40 years? Because mm-hmm. 79 was the Sonics, right? So they have one. So then the only outlier I can think of is probably like the the power, the, the awesome, I love these guys, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Pistons of the early 2000s. Yeah. They, 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 had, uh, they didn't have like a, that type of guy. They didn't have a guy that was there. It was kind of like we had. They had. Um, uh, they had one. So they had one person. Then that they built around a little bit, but it was basically like a system one. You know, mm-hmm. that's the only outlier I can think of where it wasn't kind of having like one centerpiece, like a Kobe or like a Jordan. You know, so yeah. I mean, do you think that you agree? Like that's the most out of all the teams that won, all the franchises. Yeah, I agree. And I, I like to me, I think if the Knicks ever did win, I think that's how they're going to probably win. Like, they pro- like I, I think, like, if they ever did, like, it would have to be, like, they, they it won't be, like, a superstar. I think, like, it would have to be, like, our own dudes where they're not, like, the the top player in the, the, the game or, like, the big superstar. But, you know what? They play well together and they have a system. A team. You know, a team I, and a coach. And I'll tell you what, listen, like the Golden State Warriors, for as much shit as people gave them when they signed Kevin Durant, they drafted and developed Clay Thompson, mm-hmm. Stephen Curry, and Draymond Green mm-hmm. to make it in they made them into players that you could say, Oh my god, if you sign like a KD, like this is overkill. They made that. That was organic. And people people like people shit on them. Because they beat LeBron and everybody loves LeBron and that's why people hate the the Warriors. But the point I'm trying to make with like the Cubs and the Warriors is like you had to to maintain fate. And the success comes. And as you know, people always uh the joke is the running joke is like being a sports fan is like being in a abusive mm-hmm. one-sided relationship because you know, yeah, there are good, like, you may get good times, but you're going to have bad times more often than not. Because guess what? Every single, like, every single league, there's only one champion. Mm. So there's 29 other teams or 31 other teams that are going to be disappointed. Like, they talk about tortured franchises. There's a lot of tortured fi- franchises that lost in, like, the the, the World Series. Or lost in the NBA Finals, and or lost in deep in the playoffs, and never got over that hump. Mm. You know, so uh, you know when people talk about, oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm declaring fan free agency. Like I said, you really and truly weren't a fan to begin with. Like just admit that. And you also have the luxury of having a team in the same city. Like you don't have like, like the Twins. You know, like you can't just like out of nowhere move for the Brewers. Yeah, you but even then, like I seen, like I like I told you when you talk about the one guy that was a Laker fan, like I remember a few years ago, I think it was after they traded Porzingis, 
where this one guy was like, "Oh, I'm I'm not a Knicks fan anymore. I'm gonna become a Lake. Like I'm 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 selling my NBA fan. Like he literally sold sold it. Like he went. He was like, "Here's my cash app. First team to give me like first fan, first fan of a team to give me like two hundred dollars. I'm gonna become a fan of that team. And it became like a like a like a Twitter thing. And he, I think the somebody in LA like turned him into a Laker fan. That's weird. Yeah. Some weird fetish shit. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I think it also has like it's a personality thing, definitely. Like, um, I think it's it, it, it can also translate to non-sport things of how you uh, how, how you treat life. Like, I think I don't get too deep with it, but it's also it's a psychological and also like a personality trait. Yeah, and it, it, loyalty loyalty is uh, hard to come by sometimes. Yeah, it's like you know a lot of like, just just to, to wrap it up like the, a lot of the things that he talked about like you know he says his team he loves his team more he loves his team more than his team loves him and like that's every fan like you know well, I was watching the Yankees this year and I felt like I loved the Yankees more than I loved me and they pissed me off this season. Yeah, but, what, what was the big documentary this year? The the final the last dance. They were winning, and they're probably going to keep winning. But then the owner wanted to think into the future, so he like compromised the fans' enjoyment by creating drama and basically having Jordan like retire. Mm-hmm. You know, he would have kept playing probably until like 2003, and when he officially retired with the Wizards. But he created. He was thinking long term, and it backfired obviously. But that was at the expense of fans from being able to enjoy a couple more years, possibly kind of like a. Like a longer, uh, a longer, you know, run. Yeah, and then um, then all the thing was like he said um, he was like they made questionable, questionable moves, um, and free agency moves, and I'm like, oh, uh, you know, look at it this way, like nobody, I mean, not nobody, but very few people have been critical of Dave Gettleman more than I have, right? Yep. And guess what? He made a lot of moves that at the time you're like, "What are you doing? Like this makes no sense." Blah, 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 blah. I wanted this guy. Da, 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 da. Like, for instance, uh, I mean, I still believe they should have kept uh, Odell Beckham, but at the same time, Jabril Peppers, who they got in the Odell Beckham trade, has been one of the shining lights on defense. And then, and Dan- that game. yeah, and then Daniel Jones, you're like. Oh my God! Like, why are you picking him? Blah 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 blah. Like, we want Haskins, Dwayne Haskins. And guess what? Like, Dwayne Haskins is like the third string quarterback on his team, and Daniel Jones is like, you know, he he missed one week, and we're like, oh man, like yeah. shit, we need Jones. Da, 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 da. And um, you know, he failed when he hired Pat Shermer, and then he goes out and hires for the head coaching job. He hires. Um, Joe Judge, who's like the special teams coach in, in for the for the Patriots. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? And then for offensive coordinator, you get Jason Garrett, and you're like, what the hell? Like he sucked as as um the Cowboys coach. Yeah, yeah. And then he got Patrick, and then he got Patrick Graham from the Dolphins, who finished 28th in defense when they hired him. You know, and the Giants, all areas, like offense, they look really, really good. Like, um, like Garrett, it seems like you brought him back into, like, the offensive. 
just being just focusing on offense and he's yeah. he's great well that was like wade phillips like he left and then he became like a some other type of coach and he was kicking ass like when he left the Cowboys, you know yeah and then um you know patrick graham like he's turned around the defense like defense like the giants defense that's the one thing i've been harping on is them rebuilding the defense so like the defensive coordinators like great and like a lot of the the guys the no-name guys on defense like the the giants might have like um you know like a lot of pro bowl like multiple pro bowlers on defense something like i didn't think they're fighting they they could you know the defense the division is poor but guess what at the end of the day you know the division is shit and they could have been the shittiest team in the shittiest division but they're not they're fighting and joe judge looks like he's the guy so the point I'm trying to make is like he said, you know, they're making questionable moves. And I'm like, yeah, it's easy to question the moves now, but you got to give them time. Like, who knows? Like, the Knicks might surprise people. And at the end of the day, like, New York in general, there will be more eyes on a 35 win Nick team than there would be on a 60 win Nets team. That's not an opinion. That's just a pure fact. That's literally how this city works. Like, it's Knicks first and the Nets for all. Like, the Nets could literally be playing in Albany right now for all people care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. And then we're back. And then he, you know, he talks about Dolan. Like, listen, there have been teams that have won with bad owners before. Wayne Huizenga. The Marlins win the, the World Series, of course. Like, he blew up the team com- yeah. like, right yeah. afterwards. And all the guys who left made helped out other teams. You know, it was that, it was that type of powerhouse. And mm-hmm. the same in 2003. They all left, and it was a generation of different. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, and even then, um, Jeff Loria, that was the owner in 2003 of the Marlins. They won a World yeah. Series, and he was a shit owner. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie Finley. Uh, Charlie Finley with the Oakland A's in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jim Dolan himself, like, look at how successful, you know, me and Mike talked about this, uh, before we started the segment. That, like, off air, that, like, you know, the, the Rangers in the early part of the decade were like in the earlier part of the 2010s, like, they were they went to the conference finals mm. like three out of four years. They went to the Stanley Cup final one of those years. So, like, he's been a successful – he's been an owner of an – I won't say he's been a successful owner, but he's been the owner of a successful team. And and much like the Knicks – well, unlike the Knicks, because they, they haven't started they, – they haven't got the opportunity to, to, to play yet. But, you know, the Rangers, they're starting to turn it around. They had the first pick in this draft and then they had the second overall pick in the last draft so they're getting high talent in in their team so point i'm trying to make to you is like if you're a fan like you're if you're a fan with a team you have to you're married to that team like you're married to that team and it's like a catholic marriage you can't get divorced so you're going to hell you're going to sports hell you just get separate rooms and just (laughs) let it be (laughs) And I mean, listen, like you could have, you could have your, you could have your mistress, 
Yeah. Too like I said, like I, you, you, I, you can watch the Westchester Knicks, or you can watch a uh, Turkish football. You can watch Turkish basketball. No, you're the Euro League, and you know get your kicks from there. I'm good. Not, not even shit like that. I'm talking about like in the playoffs, like every year in the Super Bowl, like always is you know the story. You like, know, in the, story su- in the Super in the Super Bowl, or even in the playoffs, like. I mean, not me for basketball because, like, I don't watch. Like, I don't have the energy to watch the entire NBA playoffs. But like in the finals, you know, I'll pick a team that I like just for that finals. And yeah. then in in football, there's a team. You know, one out of the two teams in the in the Super Bowl. Like the only time I think in a Super Bowl I'd have trouble deciding on a team is if the Cowboys and the um Jets. Yeah. Yeah, no, like I, I no not the, the Cowboys and the Jets. No, I, I, like I don't want to go too much into it because we we're going too long. But you know, like in the only sport, like I don't the only well two sports I don't like at least support the crosstown team as a New Yorker because I'm I'm so loyal to my team and I, or I hate that team is you know with the Knicks and the Nets and the Yankees and the Mets I, and I I actually. I'm going to detail a lot in one of my Black Seeds episodes. Well, uh, the foreshadow that uh, Black Seeds, you should do one with the Giants and Yankees in the same Yankee Stadium, Jets and Shea Stadium, you know, with the Mets. I can't separate that. You know, I can't separate that the Jets and the Mets were aligned at one point. So I just have that where I just can't root for the Jets. I don't like them. Yeah, like, but me, like, like in football, I don't care because, like, my mom likes – I won't say she's a Jets fan. She likes the Jets, and because she she's a Christian, so when they signed Tebow, because she don't oh, know really? much about football. But well, I thought she liked the colors. <laughs> Some people, yeah, like, oh, and I like the colors. My my one of my friends, he's a Jets fan, but you know, in in the twenty ten, you know, the both years they went to the AFC Championship, I was still rooting for them because, like, for, mm. you know, above all else, like. They had um, Mark Sanchez, who was a US- USC quarterback. So I had that connection. They're New York. I liked Rex Ryan. He wasn't, like, irritable to me. And then the second year, one of them two years, they were playing Pittsburgh, and I hate Pittsburgh. So, there you go. You know, I was truth, rooting for the them. Truth came, truth came out. Mm-hmm. Now, I like Rex Ryan on the panel. I like him, on, I like him in, like, a, a sports opinion. I like him like that. But, oh, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. It's different because back then, like the football, it's by like, uh, we'll wrap this up with like a division. And now, out of nowhere, you know, now like baseball is like, we can play the Mets in April. We can play the Mets in like September. Like it's, it's completely different now. But back then, you would play a Subway Series only like during June. So it was like special. Now it's just like they, there's just another team. So maybe now I'm, I'll be less inclined to uh, root for like a Met over a Jet. You know, it's complicated. I just, I, I like my teams. Yeah, it's a part of my part of my identity. Yeah. So, um, before we get into our final thoughts, um, Mike uh, passed on some news to me yesterday. Um, and obviously it became like, uh, more, um, more widespread later on when I, I scroll when I updated like my Twitter, but, um, Tiny Lister. Um, who a lot of people know as Debo from the Friday movies, namely the original Friday 
and next Friday. Um, also played Zeus in um, No Holes no, no Barred. Uh, he played the president of the world in um, The Fifth Element. Um, you know, God was like in everything, man. But, you know, to me, you know, I, that's the first thing I said to Mike. I was like, no, Debo. And unfortunately, he passed away. Um, he actually, it, it seemed like he died from, um, you know, respiratory problems. But he did have COVID um, earlier in the year. And he's, it, the, his, the people around him have said that he had, tr- he started to have trouble breathing recently. So it just goes to show you that, you know, even though you have, um, you beat COVID, like the lingering, it, it does have effects that linger. And, you know, it, it, it just shows you again, it's something that should be taken seriously. Like lives are being lost. It ain't something like you just get, like, obviously there's a lot of people that have had it and have recovered and seen, you know, they're seemingly healthy, but, it, it, it's still something it's it, it's something like for me personally mike like i just you know i have asthma so i i, I like I, I wouldn't even want to even say like all right if i got it i would beat it because i don't know right and uh yeah with um with tiny zeus let's start on from uh when i was really young was at the nose bard and friday at one point, Friday was like one of my top five movies when I was like, when I was 10, like that was like one of my favorite movies. Uh, I love the idea of like a 24-hour movie and he was part of it. You know, the one yeah, that takes place yeah. in a day. Well, mm-hmm. after you like car wash that, Days and Confused. Um, so yeah, so that crossed, that transcended like different types of uh, fandom that I'm involved in, like wrestling, the, everyone shared it with him and then just like pop culture with the movie, like Friday and everything. And Sit Down, that's one of my favorite movies. And I'm glad you brought that up. One of my favorite sci-fi movies. Um, so, yeah. So, we do tributes like once a week now, which is upsetting. But, you know, it's, it's part of it. Um, with my final thoughts, uh, I'll start with Saved by the Bell. Last week, we talked about it. And then I heard your response to it. You gave like a, a lot of great points. Uh, I love that they're doing something different with it. And they're not just like leaving it dead. Like they're doing something different with it, and we'll see where it goes next. We'll, we'll get, we'll see where it goes because I love to see these characters like live on. Uh, with the streaming, we saw us. We brought up, uh, we brought up Napster. Like things change. Uh, Ten years ago, like two thousand eight ish, it was uh, Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, that just became a fact that Hulu existed, and, and then Netflix came out. You know, got turned uh, streaming at the same time late 2000s um now it's this where you're gonna see theatrical movies the first time you see it you're gonna see it in a in a streaming form and that's just gonna be the way it is but they're still gonna keep the theatrical like literal like going to a physical theater i think that's gonna become more of a luxury which it already had been getting more and more harder to like bring a whole family to you're gonna spend like 200 dollars pretty much going to a theater if you have like three or four kids Mm-hmm. And, yeah, then, uh, and you know, twenty dollars for tickets, and then food is like you know, Skittles is like five bucks. So I think it'll become a luxury. You can still go for special events. Like I, we'll see, like in the future, if I if I actually do that. Like last time we hung out was we saw we saw a movie. And it was like fun, you know. But we'll see. 
with with the fandom with the uh, the letter of uh, free agency fan free agency. I am drafting a letter of commitment to the Knicks, <laughs> and I'm going to sign it. I'm going to fax it over to Suge. We're going to sign it, and we're going to and we're going to we're going to reaffirm our commitment. It's a marriage. We're going to we're going to recommit to the Knicks. Okay? Yeah, all, all and the- you're not welcome back. You're not welcome back. Actually, no, that's petty. You can come back when the Knicks are winning. You can come back. It's fine. No. Nah, no. Nah. Once you're gone, you're gone. See ya. <laughs> but, like, I'll be fly. Like, a letter of commitment. I should, like, we should do that to a joke. Because I follow a lot of people. Um, And a lot of people follow me that, um, the Knicks fans on Twitter. It's like a... It's like a cool, cool um community of people. We all kind of share the, the the same grief and stuff like that. Um, it's like AA. Like a cool group of people. So shout out all of them that follow me and I follow you if you listen to the show. Um, but yeah, that, you know that that letter of commitment like that reminds me of like. You know when like a player like the 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 one of the star players of the team leaves the team, so they sign like the next best player to like an extension, mm-hmm. so to say like yo like all right he left he sucks da 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 but this is our guy this is your your this is this guy is loyal to us. All right, so we put our. I actually have the history of the NBA books from like 1989. I would use that, or I would use a program. I'd use like a 19 uh, like 72 or 73. Uh, uh, Knicks program, like you would give out an embassy, put my hand on that, and put a foam hand on top of my hand, like, so help me God. <laughs> like, you know, you put the, the, the number one finger, like the foam hand of the Knicks. That'd be uh, what we do. Raise your a, right hand with the foam finger. <laughs> as a matter of fact, listen, so to re, um, to recommit to, to our statement of commitment, me and Mike, right now, I'm going to swear on this New York Knicks NY made shirt. I got this. I went to me and me and my pal. We went to Madison Square Garden. Um, we didn't have to get somewhere. I meant that it was the year after we won the um Atlantic Division for the first time in many many years, and they won fifty four games. And obviously, this was opening night of the first season of our current um, postseason less drought. But I actually went to Madison Square Garden and they had like the Knicks like blue carpet or that's what they call it. And you, you know, it had all of these guys crossing in front of us like John Starks. Um, Charles Oakley was still in like good graces back then. I, th- I think it was Charles Oakley, but Larry Johnson Blah, 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 blah. And I had, like, a guy, and he was asking, like, Nick's, like, trivia question. I can't remember the question. Usually, I remember these things. But uh, I won this shirt, and, you know, I wear it all the time. And my, my stepdad, who's, uh, um, he he likes to make fun of me of, you know, because of my Nick's fandom. Uh, every time I wear it, he always, like, you know, gives me shit. And then, of course, you've seen it before. Nick's, oh, yes. Make Nick's Great Again, created by Dolan J. Trump. Um, follow him on Twitter. Follow that account on t- Twitter. It's funny as hell. We're going to swear on both items. And Nick's, we're, me and Mike, you know, we'll be there when we're, you know, 
losing 60 games and we're going to be here when you win 60 when you win 60 games and you know mm. bring the glory back to the garden you have to have the fate man this this team I'm going to put my hand on a cable box. I have a cable box right here. A cable but, vision but cable yeah, box. Your optimum cable box. But yeah, we, I got one over here. We're, we're in, man. Um, so, matter of fact, that's where I'm going to start my, my, my final thoughts. And, like, you know, that's part of being a fan. You know, being a fan is it's, you got to be 10 toes. Like, 10, you, you oh, got to dig in. You got to dig in for the long haul. Yeah, like, being a fan, you just, you, you know, you got to be 10 toes deep. You got to be committed committed and I, like i said I, I think you know once you reach adulthood like you should you're on one team like stick with one team like and you know like if you, your team's miserable you got to pass that misery on to your kids I, I think that's why you know there are nick fans that's why there are nick net um that's why there are met fans that's why they are Jets fans that's why there are giants fans because you know no no team's always going to be good like obviously, like with the Yankees, you know they, they they've been on a string of like winning seasons, but not all years. You kind of gotta be committed because, you know, I think back to like, um, the years between two thousand and two thousand nine. Like, you know, like Mike, think of it. Imagine if like after two thousand one, you were like, "Fuck it, I'm done with the Yankees." That's the most, like heartbreaking thing to lose the world series on a blue single mm-hmm. and then you go to the 2003 world series and then you get beat by this expansion team and this rookie pitcher and you're like damn so, it was jeff weaver that one game he came out of the bullpen yeah that, yeah that and then it. you know like the ps daily resistance of, mm-hmm. of of that time period where you know if you know you really truly could have you know, if if I had like the the um temperament of this guy, dog, after like two thousand four, I would have just been like, all right, you know what, that's it. Like, you know, I, I could have stopped being a Yankee fan now, but guess what? You know, went the next year, watched them lose, um, back to back years in division series, um, three straight years. Then two thousand eight, they missed the playoffs, and you know, like you kind of start to lose faith then because it's like you start to feel like, oh, wow, what if, like, you know, the the Red Sox, like, threw their 86-year curse on us? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because it's been nine years. You don't know when it's – you don't know, like, I'm pretty sure, like, the 1919 Red Sox fan was probably like, yeah, you know what, we we, we didn't win this year, but guess what? Like, we won last year, so we, we're going to win again yeah. soon. You know what I'm saying? I that like – you know, yeah. you you die, your kids die, and you never see the you never see the Red Sox win a championship again. But yeah. you know, guess what? Like I won it. We won in two thousand nine, and guess what? Like I enjoyed it because it mm-hmm. kind of felt like you know all that. Well, you know, yeah, it was suffering in the playoffs, but you know, it was suffering nonetheless, and it it paid off. Yeah. Um, it was finally, enjoyable. it was enjoyable. Yeah. I was a it was the first one. I was an adult, pretty you know, I was an adult when I watched it. You know. Yeah, it was then, a different experience in this nostalgia as a kid. So. Yeah, yeah, and then with the Yankees now, it's been like they didn't go to the World Series in the last um, decade now, and mm-hmm. that's the first time that's happened since like you know the 1910s, 
and I'm still I'm sticking with them. Like you you can't bail out. You really gotta be ten toes. But um the movie thing, like you know, I discussed in our topic, like things always change and, and people adapt and they always think it's gonna be the end of of this and that. But I think like, you know, if I had to, to guess at the very worst, like going to the movies, even if streaming is like the main um source of people seeing new movies like i'd still think that going to the movies is um would would still be it would still be like a niche thing mm. like you know way back in the day when they used to have movies at like radio city or like the beacon or carnegie hall and stuff like that like it was still like a spectacle to to go to the movies but um you know i think going forward you know, movies could come out in tandem. Like, like we discussed with The Irishman, where, you know, that one came out, like, two weeks earlier in theater, in select theaters, but then you were able to see it on um, Netflix. And, you know, it might get to the point where people, like, will spoil movies, so it's like, oh, I gotta see it in theaters, because mm-hmm. it's out already, you know? So that, that's something that could possibly happen, but things adapt, and I, I, and I think, like, the thing that you know, if I play devil's advocate with Warner Brothers is that, you know, they, they, they thought about the fact that we're in a pandemic and, you know, you don't know when, you know, going to the movies is going to be a thing again. And if people are going to be able to do it, because as uh, my detail, like going to the movies is expensive. So unless like when movies do open back up, like they're operating, um, at a way lower cost and and you know tickets cost like way less than they cost before the pandemic which i doubt um you know it's, it's gonna be a tough road ahead for like full theaters and then people are gonna be choosy about what movies they want to see and it's still probably gonna be like all right well this movie i could just wait for it to come out on netflix or hbo max or disney plus or whatever it's gonna be on like and um save by the bell you know what else can i say man i'm i i gotta we might we're gonna figure out a way to watch the rest of them episodes like we 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 owe it to ourselves i'm gonna find out a way and we'll 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 collaborate off it because i'm pretty sure it's not gonna be a legal (laughs) a legal way of doing it um but mike you 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 had something else you wanted to say before we go out yeah um also, um, you know, obviously, as you can tell, I'm like, a, I have like nostalgia and like pop culture things here. Uh, ever since I was like a kid, I was, I've been making like uh, mixes with, I would take a clip from a movie and I would like, inter- I would like, inter- I would splice it in with a song, a song about like, let's say like the Knicks and then a guy saying something about the Knicks. I would, ha- I would interweave it and I would make mixes for, for like to commute. And uh, I've been doing that since like college started. And then I kept doing it and then I stopped and there's a uh, Instagram that I follow and it's someone who he gets like a, a lot of VHSs from like a uh, storage, or whatever. And it's stuff you'll never see now. Cause it's either like a home video or it's something that aired on TV, like 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that just is, doesn't exist anymore, only on tape. And they had a charity event. Um, it was actually for uh, what do you call it? It's a M M four BL. It's like a Black Lives Matter uh, organization. And what he did was he, uh, he he made like a best of, but it's not even a best of. It's like 
it's uh a vhs and it's like very like um you know it's like a faux tape and let's say like they talk about pizza then it'd be a clips about pizza like inter- and then they use like music and stuff it's kind of like a trip it's 20 minutes long you pop it in if we if you're able to have parties you would pop it in and just check it out but it was cool like um i gave uh you know a few bucks uh, you know like 20 bucks 15 bucks i forget what it was and then they handed this out as a gift it was like tbs they give you the tote bag but instead of that they gave you this so shout out to uh the creator of it is uh the wall of vhs that's the handle on instagram and uh another provider of it uh like lunch meat uh they worked together and they released this and it was it was fun to watch uh pop culture galore you know so you know, it's for a good cause and everything. And uh, that's something that I hope one day me and uh, Shirley could do and do something like that, like a marathon of doing something. And we try to get some funds and give it to one of our, uh, you know, like a charity of our choice. Yeah, man. So check that out, Wall of VHS. Yep. Um, and Lunch Meat. Lunch Meat is like the other person that produced it. But the, uh, the actual uh, video, the actual like art of it was uh, the Wall of VHS. Yeah, so check that out. Um, and check out our YouTube channel as always. Um, check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you guys know our handle, and you know we'll we'll be back next week with episode thirty-two. But this has been episode thirty-one of Shug Me the Mooney, Shug Me the Mooney, Shug Me the Mooney. Mike, you like black people? I like black people! Shook me the moody!